if you can take a good picture of your iris and you can see like white rings around your iris like that indicates you have activity rings and you need activity what and for every ring you have it's like half an hour to an hour of exercise i've never heard this before Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. This was a landmark episode because it was our first episode where I didn't know the name of our guest, and I still don't know the name of our guest. He prefers to be called Eat Raw Meat. That's how he is known on YouTube. His YouTube is at Eat Raw Meat Primal Diet Advice. Now, as I say with all of my episodes where I'm interviewing a guest who is eating raw meat. We do not just talk about raw meat. We talk about all different types of topics. We talk about Asia a lot. Um, this guest that I had on traveled a lot in Asia. We talk about dating with a healthy lifestyle as I love to do. We talk about spirituality. Um, we talk about STDs. Recently, it's been a thing that we've talked about on my Instagram community, whether STDs are really what they we get told they are and I'm not pushing any agenda here this is just a topic that came up that we discussed and uh, a fascinating topic and we kind of touch on that it's a really great just topic packed episode we talk about a lot of different things and I think you guys are gonna enjoy it so give it a try check it out see what you think what else is new around the Root Awakening world? You know, I am just so lit up about giving people the opportunity to start a business with the gifts that they already have, with the gifts that they already possess. We all possess natural gifts that we have that we carry around with us all day. And most of us don't even know that these gifts are there inside of us. Most of us don't even know that we can get paid for these gifts and help people in a more organized way with these gifts and help people in a way that doesn't drain our energy with these gifts. So that's basically what I show you how to do in the Type B Business School, which is my group coaching program on how to build your online service-based or product-based business or run an existing business in a way that feels better to you and easier to you and more automated and that, you know, reflects your personality more and that allows you to be more free and running your business in a way that just feels good. That's what we're doing in the, this group coaching course, the Type B Business School, and I would love for you to be a part of it. So if you would like to, if you're interested in that, you can click the link in my bio, Type B Business School, in the show notes here and check it out. We just created a syllabus for you so you can literally see what each lesson is in the course. And then, of course, it comes with real-time coaching from me in our community group so you get some individualized support as well. That's what I want to tell you about today, and we're just going to get right onto the episode. I love you guys. Please share this podcast. Please tell someone about this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you can help me spread the word about this information because I think it's important information we're getting out there. I want 
a lot of people to be empowered. I want people to learn about this podcast and help us grow our community. So if you can help me do that today, that would be so phenomenal. And I love you guys so much. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. We have a special episode today. My episode is with a guest who has decided not to use his birth name on this podcast. That's the first time this has ever happened. And I kind of tried, not tried to convince him, but we had a little back and forth about it. I was like, are you sure you don't want to use your name at all? Or are like, will you show up on camera with me? What's the deal? And he was like, yeah, I'll show up on camera, but I'm just eat raw meat. So I, my guest today, I am introducing him as eat raw meat. And um, he's been eating the primal diet for several years. So those of you who have listened to this podcast before are familiar with the raw primal diet. You're familiar with the fact that I eat raw meat. If this is the first time you're tuning in, stick with us because this is really interesting stuff. And we always get personal beyond diet on this podcast. So uh, you won't be disappointed. But um, yeah, eat raw meat. He's been eating uh, the primal diet for a while. We found each other on YouTube. He contacted me on YouTube and his YouTube is eat raw meat primal diet advice. So that's how you guys can check out what he's doing. He's doing some interesting stuff on there. Eat raw meat. Thanks for coming on this podcast. Thanks, Emily, for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're so welcome. Okay, my first question is why do you decide to, what's the right word? Did de- did redact didact why do you decide to be anonymous um well it's not that i'm anonymous right because you know who i am i'm appearing to you you can see my face it's more of a a meta thing it's kind of like you know when you are on the internet you're always creating something uh different than yourself you're showing yourself but it's really just a shadow of yourself you know nobody's showing everything about their life on the internet really um and because when you look at a screen um everything's digital so you're really just seeing like a shadow of a person it's kind of like plato's uh cave allegory you know um and it's like why why would you just want to be yourself on the internet when you can you know kind of be something else so it's kind of like you know i i do this thing like i mean i like i started eating uh raw meat for tiktok three years ago and i've been on the primal diet for five years so i was already doing this for two years and i downloaded tiktok as just kind of a just for memes you know because i that's where a lot of that's where the current was going so to speak um and you can really see that now with how tiktok has evolved mm-hmm. and so and then I was like, well, I could probably go viral, you know, just for fun. I didn't see anybody else eating raw meat. And, you know, yeah, I posted my first video and it got like 12,000, 20,000 views. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool, you know? And yeah, and I just started doing it more and more and more. And then uh, I had a couple of videos that got close to a million. Wow. And, um, and then eventually it just kind of became a problem, right? So I kept getting warnings. And I was probably discussing some things. I, you know, I was being a bad boy, uh, community guidelines. Um, right. Nothing bad, but just kind of, you know, I guess at the time, two years ago, the uh, health consciousness, you know, everything that was going on generally, I don't want to 
say any, you know, words that are going to tip off the algorithm and, you know, hurt you. But generally having a, you know, against the current kind of viewpoint about everything that was going on two years ago, I'll just say that. And I was getting throttled and they kept taking my videos down. And so I took my account private um, to circumvent that because I had around, I still have around 8,500 or so followers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to keep that open for them because that's kind of how I geared my content towards, you know, the followers, not so much trying to, you know, appeal to like a whole broad audience, you know, you target your audience. So, um, and then I decided to uh, get back into YouTube because I had another account, um, but it was just a little too general. Like I said, I wanted to focus something. So that's why I created eat raw meat primal diet advice and i've got over 150 videos now and i've had it for about six months it's going pretty good i'm pretty happy with it and it's just all about primal diet right i don't really talk about anything else um so that's kind of why i you know just use eat raw meat because you're just knowing me as eat raw meat it's not really who i am in real life you know know. there's certain things that i do um you know maybe like maybe like mannerisms or something, you know, try to create like a character, you know, cause it's the internet, you know, I mean, I know. Yeah. So that's, that's just kind of how I've approached it, especially with my style of uh, how I shoot videos. I just do it in first person. So like, you know, it's just my view and I'm just talking. Um, it's kind of hard to do or rather it's more work to do. If you're trying to show what you're doing, talking to the camera it's like, wait, you know, I don't know. You don't really need to see my face all the time. It's it's not that great. So um, <laughs> it's it's more about the information being presented. And I kind of like the old YouTube aesthetic. You know, I grew up with old YouTube and old social media where people were kind of just, you know, showing what they were doing. The quality wasn't always so great. And, and now you see people um, using filters and older cameras and stuff to get that aesthetic. So Mm. you know i kind of think there's something to that maybe it's a little too artsy or whatever but i don't know it's just how i approached it so yeah that's cool and you're so right like when people i don't have that big of a following yet on instagram i've been around for like two years but i'm in like the coaching industry and i'm not really in the the raw meat sector i guess i'm putting myself in the raw meat sector because i'm really interested in you guys and i eat the diet but like um, but nonetheless, people refer to me online as Emily's Root Awakening, right? Not Emily Kosick, which is my actual name, yeah, right? No absolutely. one knows my last name. We just kind of call each other by their handles sometimes, you know? Um, and like I had another guy who eats raw meat on the podcast. I think it was our last podcast episode, but I would call him Logan Permaculture because that's his handle on Instagram. So you're doing the same thing. And I, I get that. I guess, um, yeah, it's the first time that I haven't known someone's first name and I like to get personal with my guests. So that's why it's different for me, but it's the same concept. So I, I totally understand that. And you're right. It's like, um, even though you mentioned to me before we started recording, you don't actually do this. You d- Would you say this is part of your profession to have this following online like I was going to say you don't do this professionally because you don't consult people uh 
consult with people, you don't have like health consultations, but I don't know, would you say that like having an Instagram following, even though you're not doing it for monetary gain, it's still like part of your profession? Well, I don't know about profession, maybe more like a hobby or an interest. Okay. And I would, I would differentiate this too, as a hobby is something, it's an interest that you kind of spend money on versus right. an interest that, oh, I'm interested in doing X activity, you know, like walking well i guess walking is kind of well there's like a there's like there's a blurred line there but i think you know what i mean um mm -hmm. you know i don't i've been approached people have emailed me about consultations and mm -hmm. as i told you i'm I'm saying like you know i try to give people the information because all the information about the primal diet that we know is out there there's a few things that people have kind of um maybe discovered or realized that can uh, be a little more effective you know, um, but I don't, you know, but again, all that stuff is, is online somewhere. And, you know, people ask me some simple questions. It's like, well, I'm not going to charge you money just for, you know, like a little email, you know, right, or, right. Hey, you know, read this book. It's on this page. It's in this workshop. It's in this Q and a, right. um, you know, and I'd said, I, I answer people and I say, well, if you really want a consultation, okay, but this should give you everything you need. But if you really want it, you know, my time is $60 an hour and I've been doing the primal diet for five years. So it's just kind of like, well, $12 for every year of experience, essentially. And huh. eventually there will be a cap. You know, I don't want to, you know, it's not really something I try to profit off of or make a living of, you know. Um, I, I have a job. I I did some I got, I got into real estate working for this fellow. I did some work over the summer for him, mm -hmm. uh, mostly outside and uh, cleaning and flipping apartments for him, oh. maintenance, handiwork, painting, landscaping, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I just got to know the guy because the owner, he would clean the bathrooms and stuff, you know, for me or with me. You know, he's a very hands-on guy, very down-to-earth guy. And, you know, he offered me a job to help him, um, you know, more desk, desk stuff, you know, office stuff, records and a little bit of uh, simple accounting, you know, before it goes to his money people, number people. And, um, you know, I've been very blessed with that opportunity and uh, learning a lot. So I've kind of been doing that the winter and I'll probably start to do some more stuff outside in summer again, because I like that. But I, mm -hmm. you know, I have my own uh, income streams. I'm not looking to make a living off this stuff. I just kind of do it for fun and help it's it's about helping because you know it's yeah. it's kind of daunting when you talk about eating raw meat or eating a primal diet because there's there's it's there's a lot to it but it's kind of comes from the same simple ethos you know so yeah what i'm hearing is that you really look at it as a service like it's a service and you can charge for a service or you cannot and you can just see it as something that you want to share with people and I like that that's very high integrity I so going back to like before we move on going back to the I I still kind of look at it as an anonymous aspect but like it's like a I don't know how you describe it. Like you're saying with these older YouTube videos where people don't really show their face, it's not about the personality of the person. It's about the content that they're sharing, right? right. That whole relationship to social media. 
and how you share stuff digitally. I noticed that's a huge thing in the raw meat world, even on Instagram. Like I follow people on Instagram and I don't know what their face, they, they always hide their face. It's super, I think anonymous, um, mm -hmm. but it's just about the content that they're sharing. Do you think that this is more of a prevalent behavior in the raw meat world versus other sectors? You know, I don't really know for sure. I, um, cause I don't have Instagram. Um, it's not a platform I use. And, um, I've known some people on TikTok, like this fellow, um, the flesh God or a Bobin. Yes. Cynic, I'm trying name. to get him on this podcast. Bobin I had someone recommend him for this. Yeah. He's such a character. Oh my yeah, God. Bobin's, Bobin's I love cool. him. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, like he shows himself and, um, there's a couple other yeah, people, I guess. Yeah. I guess what kind of pursues me about TikTok is there's a fellow, Polly Long, and he's based out of Indonesia, and he eats all kinds of stuff, you know, brains and chicken and, you know, stuff I would get removed for. You know, I would eat chicken, mm. and then they'd be like, oh, this is dangerous, and we're removing your video, and if you keep uploading this stuff, we're going to ban your account. Wow. And I'm just like, well, why does this guy have a million followers? And he's verified nonetheless. And he does all the same stuff I did. But it's a problem for me. I think it might relate to regional moderation trafficking. like oh. Because he's based in Indonesia in Asia. So they might have a different pool of moderators who moderate content in Asia. But everything on TikTok is global. It get, gets pushed to everybody's For You page, right? So it might clear hurdles there. And then other people may not have a problem with it. Um, but like in the United States, it might be a little different, you know, people might, cause we don't have that attitude of like, oh, well, it's raw, it's dangerous. In, in Asia, they don't have that attitude. It's raw, it's dangerous. You know, it's more common yeah. over there, but here it's kind of seen as, oh, that's bad. You're going to hurt somebody. Someone's going to see that and they're going to do it and they're going to go to the hospital. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of strange how that works, but I think money might be a part of it too, you know, uh, paying for clicks or paying or TikTok to push your videos or paying them, you know, because right. there's a lot of content creators who have millions of followers, you know, a couple million, and they don't have uh, blue check marks even, and they don't violate community guidelines. So it's right. It's very, I know. it's very strange. It's very strange. Very interesting. I like studying that because there is a narrative in the alternative sectors, like alternative health or alternative um diet or like kind of the conspiracy world the whole narrative is if you get big enough they'll take you down and that's just not true for some people like there are people yeah. that prove that wrong so yeah i and find that interesting there's too. a you know raw meat experiment that was a recent yeah. one you probably know him he had i do he had a quarter million and then they uh they you know removed his account yeah yeah yep and he yeah. was doing something every day he's like you know i'm fine and uh you know, maybe they just don't want that documentation out there. But like I said, there's other people and they don't have that problem. So it's strange. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. Did I'm curious about people's mindsets, you know, how that affects their reality. That's kind of how I how I coach my clients. What has your mindset been towards social media? Have you always looked at it as a force that might take you down for what you're doing or were you surprised when you started getting notifications that you you had to change your content I guess I wasn't surprised I was a little annoyed 
And when it started happening, honestly, I got a little tired of, uh, because I was filming like everything I was eating pretty much on a daily basis, like every smoothie, every meat meal. Wow. um, And, you know, just to show, because I was just kind of showing like, hey, like you're fine. It's, it's, I'm fine. It's good. And, uh, you know, so I was a little like tired of it. It started to get tired of it anyway. And, and I think a lot of content creators that kind of have that fatigue sometimes, you know, even if you're really passionate about something, especially if you get locked into it as a profession, you know, it kind of becomes something more than like a hobby or a passion. It just becomes like the grind, you know, something you have to um, do. Not that I was, you know, it became something like a grind for me, but it just kind of started to feel like that. And I, you know, it is what it is, but I don't think, um, you know, in terms of like a mindset, I mean, I kind of went in with no expectations, you know, and maybe that's, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a a bad thing, but I don't know. I don't feel like, I feel like it was bad or, you know, it affected me in any way. It just kind of like happened. Mm -hmm. And I think. I think when, I don't know, I guess, yeah, that's okay. Okay. Um, so how did you find the primal diet? Like, how did you get here in the first place? Well, I think things kind of come back in circles. Back in uh, 2010, I remember seeing a video on Reddit about uh Ogenus, his ripley's believe it or not uh special huh. and it was a um i forget what you know section it was under but i remember watching the video all the way through and i thought wow that's crazy you know but i didn't think to uh investigate more so i've known about it for a long time but i didn't really think you know much to investigate it and the first time you know, I ever ate like raw meat that wasn't like sushi. I was uh, living in Nepal and I was at a hotel and the owner, he was, you know, a very generous man. And he, uh, you know, we would drink whiskey, you know, pretty much every night, you know, me and some of the other guests, and you know, stay up and watch soccer on satellite TV. Cause that was like the only time, one of the only times you get power, you know, cause they had load shedding and right. Uh, he he would always eat he was a big eater and he he had uh kima one day which was raw buffalo with some spices whoa and i was like oh wow raw meat that's kind of weird i was kind of sketched out about it but i had i guess i had enough you know liquid courage in me and i you know ate it i was like it's pretty good and (laughs) uh, you know while i was there too i was eating a lot of raw dairy i could you know walk down the street and get uh raw curd and raw milk nice. and um is curd like cheese like cheese curds it's like it's like uh like yogurt it's like chunky yogurt not quite kefir it's like chunky yogurt is it okay okay and that kind of tastes like that amount of sour like yogurt it doesn't taste i wouldn't say it tastes sour it, it tastes a little bit like yogurt yeah but it's kind of it's because it's got a different bacterial culture because a lot of yogurt, right. you know, you taste is heated to some degree, like 110 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes cultures are added, but this was like, you know, they just would make it naturally. Um, 
It's very good. I bet. And I remember feeling better from it. And I never, never really thought much to try to find that, you know, here in the States. Cause I, cause you don't hear much about it. So, you know, I first found out about Ogenus through, um, it was like back in 2017, um, maybe 2018. No, it was 20, late 2017. Uh, Frank Tofano. Oh my God, I wanted to get him video. on this podcast too. <laughs> he did a video on uh, Ogenus about how Ogenus was ahead of his time. Oh. And, and Frank was doing the diet as well, but he stopped for reasons because um, of his liver. I don't think he was getting, I think he's a little... A little worried about presentations okay. I get from him, and I don't think he wanted to gain the weight. Some oh. people don't want to gain the weight, and that can cause problems. Like, because I've oh. been on the diet where I wasn't able to gain weight, and I had some some gut issues, like a lot of pain, like in my liver and stuff too. So, but once I was able to get past that and heal it and gain weight, then I felt better. So, where what? where do the liver pains come from? Like what causes the, the stress on the liver in the diet? It's a combination of the toxins in the liver that accumulate in the liver, leaving the liver. Cause it is your, it's just, you're eating the meat. It promotes cellular division and it regenerates your tissues. Mm -hmm. Different meats do different things. Um, and I was eating, ended up eating a lot of liver um because i f i felt like that was something i needed to fix because i wasn't gaining the weight like i should have been and i was eating a lot of the um high meat the high liver as well because i wanted the bacteria i just wanted to kind of like feel better and lift my mood and i uh you know I, and i i wasn't sure if this had anything to do with it but i drank some apple cider raw apple cider on uh, one fall and just I just had these like felt like I was getting stabbed like I was literally like keeling over from pain and grabbing my gut from pain like mostly in that wow just below the right root right side of your ribs where your liver is and um that went on for like three weeks and eventually oh it went away and you know I tried eating more cheese and stuff and that helped a little bit but it was still it would still get pretty bad and it would like just come in waves and um yeah so it's just the liver rebuilding itself i think and getting rid of the old tissue or something i don't know if i had parasites and i don't really think people feel those generally like when they do have them but i think it might have just been something like bacterial um detoxification mm -hmm. i don't know about viral because i i didn't feel it in my whole body it was just kind of localized so but yeah it eventually went away and you know i i have no trouble gaining weight now i'm i'm kind of stuck at like 188 190 i'm trying to get the 200 um so how long are you supposed to keep the weight on in this diet well you can so ajanus has said that you can you can get fat for like a year and sleep as much as possible like the first year and then you want to gain a sufficient amount of weight and then you would cycle some or all of that 
to two to four times a year, like every three months. So gaining for three months, losing for three months. And you just alternate the, um, or rather switch the amount or, or adjust how much fat you're eating. Like over the summer, I lost weight. I lost about 15 pounds and I cut out milk. I only drank a cup of milk at night before I go to bed. And I was eating small amounts of meat. I was working outside. So sometimes I needed a little bit more, but I tried to keep it like to half a pound or less. Um, and I just focused on a lot of eggs. And then I would have a, uh, made a sport formula during the day and make, you know, it had a tomato, cucumber, watermelon combination of that. Uh, eggs. Mm. Berries. Oh yeah. Honey, That's apple good. cider vinegar, a little cream. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very tasty. Um, very good. But you know, I, I switched to that instead of milk. And now in the winter, I'm kind of drinking more milk, trying to eat more fat, eat more butter. Uh, cream and honey is really a great way to uh, gain weight if you know your liver can kind of handle yeah. it. Because your liver really helps process and digest the fats. Because um, I guess your body has to turn the cream into butter. So if you have trouble with cream, hmm. sour cream is probably better. Um, but mm -hmm. I let my cream sour. I just leave it on the counter in the winter. And then eventually it turns into like a cream cheese after like three months. It's really good. Yum. Oh my God. That sounds so good. Okay. You leave it on the counter in the winter. Okay. I want to try that next time I get some. I used to, so I was on the GAPS diet um, before I was doing raw meat. So I was having a lot of raw dairy, fermented dairy, raw butter. And I gained like maybe 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um and I used like kefir, my kefir to ferment the cream. And that helped when I started to get on the raw dairy. Anyway, so I gained the weight and then I lost it that actually going into winter. So it was opposite. So I was going to say that it sounds really exhausting to like gain weight for a couple months, lose weight for a couple months, gain weight. But I guess I did that naturally. And it's kind of like um, now I'm kind of getting a intuitive feeling to gain again and I didn't realize that I was doing that without thinking about it um so I guess it's like other animals right like you get fatter in certain times of the year and then more slim in other times of the year for sure yeah I mean I think it is yeah like you're saying very natural to do uh, instinctively you know and it helps to have the fat if you're expecting to go through a detox too, because I went through a pretty hard detox once and I lost 12 pounds in a week. Oh my God. Yeah. That, how is that even possible? <laughs> how was, is that even possible in a week? I, yeah, I had a hard time eating uh, meat, really. I kind of would like, I lost my appetite. I had this whole body. It was definitely something viral and I was a little delirious. I had a headache. I would throw up, but only in the mornings. And I, um, you know, it was just really bad. I was like hot and cold and hot and cold. But my fever never went above 99. I would check my fever like every couple, like a couple times throughout the day. And it never went above 99. I was like, that's not right. You know, and I tried two different thermometers and it just seemed weird. But I was, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold, a little delirious. I just 
couldn't I couldn't sleep. And uh, you know, I had tinnitus at the time too. And I mean I still do. And that was just really bad. You're just laying in bed, you can't sleep, your ears are ringing, and it's like a oh 10. Oh my god. I'm just like I just want to die. Like just yeah, I just hope this kills me. And uh yeah, so you know, I, it eventually it eventually, <laughs> you know, went away. I I I just drank I tried to just drink as much milkshakes as I could okay. and some smoothies with like some orange and banana. And that would help a little bit, but I didn't have an appetite for meat and I had a hard time getting, you know, you're not supposed to have red meat when you're going through stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's kind of hard in general to find good sources of white meat. After all that though, mm-hmm. I remember that we have a fish market in my town and uh it's it's been a a godsend because um, i used to eat pretty much only beef when i first started mm-hmm. and uh you know after that detox i haven't been able really i wasn't really able to eat red meat like stomach could have an appetite for it and you know i tried upping my vegetable juice consumption but it just wasn't working for me so i switched to pork which is a blend of red and white meat so that was a little bit better and um then i just got lucky i started finding a lot of um good deals on uh, craigslist i got seven turkeys for like 50 bucks what and so i yeah just some guys they just wanted rid of their turkeys these farmers and you know so i you know dispatched those and processed them and it was it was good eating for like a month and a half or so um and then, you know, another guy called me who had some chickens and, uh, you know, he had five chickens. So I, I just, it's just kind of funny how, you know, it's like God was listening to me, my prayers. Right. And I, um, you know, I got the foods I needed at the time. And then I remember, oh, fish, I need fish. There's this fish place. And I've been going there. They're great. Um, so I eat a lot of cod pretty much because it's a good price i mean ten dollars a pound for fish is kind of a lot for me because i pay like 560 for pork tougher cuts of pork pork butt but um yeah i I eat beef a little bit because i've been having a shoulder problem recently like my muscle started hurting just no reason i don't think i did anything to it and uh, that's that's been helping so your taste change on the diet too like I used to crave and eat a lot of red meat. Yeah. But now I don't. So I'm just doing white meat now. So pretty much. And uh, yeah, that's that's okay. It's normal. So you just need to adapt what your body is telling you. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. And I do that naturally. I have to do that. I couldn't not. Um, but I'm in the phase still where I'm still eating a lot of red meat. Like that's all, all I eat is like raw. Um, not all I eat, but all I eat in the raw primal diet that would fit into that category is like raw red meat, raw steak, raw bone marrow. And that's kind of it, you know? Um, But people don't realize, or people may not realize that you do kind of have a lot of options on the raw primal diet. So if anyone's listening to this and they're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Maybe if this is a new listener, look up Ogenus Wonder Planets and the raw primal diet or obviously you can look up 
eat raw meat and what he's doing. But that's like the origin of this diet that we're talking about. Um, okay, so when you got so sick, all of these, like, it sounds like you've been sick a lot. Like, there's like a lot of stuff happening, you know, with your health. Is it all, um, de- you think it's all detox? It's like your body getting rid of toxins and that's what's making you sick? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and there's been times where it's definitely gotten easier, right? As I've put on the weight and okay. gotten past some of the initial detoxifications, which are a little harder. Yeah. And, uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's the more, cause the more you, you study and read and the more you apply it, you feel the changes happening in your body. You're like, okay, like I get it now. Um, the, I, that one detox where I lost 12 pounds, I think that was definitely viral because I could feel all over my body and um, it was just really bad. But I've had like, especially this past summer, um, a lot of colds because I was eating a lot of moldy berries. And, oh my uh, gosh. I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah. And I, um, I got a lot of tonsil stones. I tried to document as many as I could on um, my YouTube page. And, you know, you get a sore throat and then the tonsil stones come out after a few days and, you know, your nose kind of becomes a faucet, a little bit of a headache, but that's pretty much it. What I experienced with the bacterial detoxification, you know, the bacteria, when they're eating that old bad tissue, they're only expelling like 5% of the weight of waste of toxic waste. So your body can deal with that, you know, pretty effectively parasites. They do even less. It's like 1%. And the worst is the viral because that that is just the body creating protein solvents to dissolve dead tissue. And you have to deal with all of that. Mm. You know, it's there isn't anything else really consuming it. It's just a, it's just a solvent process. Um, right. So, yeah. And the fungus is also uh, good to like the molds, you know, that uh, that will spur some detox. So, I mean it's definitely gotten more manageable, especially with uh, hot baths. You know, that was, it was something I never, two things I never really did religiously like I do now were the hot baths and the vegetable juice. The vegetable juice I would do um, maybe once or twice a month. In the summer, I did a little bit more because it was a little easier to find the organic celery. Like even now I'll go to the store and sometimes they won't have it and I'll have to like call back and check and you know, they'll have it and I get, I get lucky sometimes, but there's been a few times where, um, there was, wasn't any organic celery. And so I didn't, you know, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really want to try juicing the non-organic stuff. Even if I, I wash know. it good, I, I just kind of, I just kind of, I just kind of deal with it now. And I'm eating mostly white meat. So white meat's more alkalizing. Mm-hmm. So I, I can do better with it, especially if you have a smoothie or some fruit, you know, or like you can find some tomatoes. You know, that stuff is pretty, it's like a sufficient Band-Aid. But the vegetable juices made a big difference. I do two cups every day. I used to do like, you know, two to four cups once or twice a week. And I garden. So like I'd have some celery, like some cucumbers I would juice, Mm -hmm. um, which I kind of learned you're really supposed to puree the cucumbers. Right, I heard that. they have uh, collagen precursors. It's a little better for you. but yeah, I just started doing that more and the hot baths really helped. Um, I started doing those uh, twice a week when I was going through my insomnia, my nervous system detox. 
um, two, I did two lymphatic baths twice a week. And then I would, you know, exercise and sweat the other days. And, uh, that was a big thing. Now I take one bath, um, for two hours once a week. And, uh, that's pretty sufficient right now. It just, if I wanted to bathe more, it would just be a lot of money and milk, you know, <laughs> not to mention the water bill. So, you know, I kind of like, well, like, what do I really need? You know, like yeah. once a week right now is okay. If I needed, really needed to take two baths a week, I could, but it's just like, I use a whole quart of milk for a bath. And then when I refill the tub to heat it up again, I add in two cups of milk more. Um, Cause this, I live in a, you know, metropolitan area. So the water's not great. Um, right. So I so, think more is better. So how, okay. So the lymphatic bath is with milk and anything else in the water. So it's, that's anything, that's any bath you want to take a hot bath. I take lymphatic baths because I like longer baths and it's going to help dissolve the lymphatic congestion in my body. And the hot baths are really just for if you need to sweat um, because it takes 50 minutes for your body to work down to the deep tissues. A regular hot bath is only for like 40 minutes and you don't really need to have a lot of weight to do the hot baths. But if you want to do the lymphatic baths, you need to have a lot of weight because there's going to be a lot of um, refuse in your body that's being released. Uh, so you need the fat to help uh capture that but the fat also helps insulate your body you can you can withstand the higher temperatures for a longer time and you need to get your body temperature to like 101 degrees and it takes about depending on how hot you get in it takes about 40 to 50 minutes to get there and then you have to stay there for your body to start to dissolve that the plastics mm. clogging your system. So what I do is I get in at 110 degrees and then it goes down pretty fast, like, like three degrees off the top because the heat transferred to your body. Mm -hmm. So in like 30 minutes, you'll lose three to four degrees at least. And if I get in that hot, my body's already at hundred degrees. And then by the time it gets down to 102, 101, I'm at 101 degrees and it's been 45 minutes or so 50 minutes or so and then i fill the tub back up to 109 and i can get it to before it overflows and then i stay in there until it uh you know cools down to 101 and then i get out so it's about two hours okay um, and you okay and then you just pour milk so it's milk and water milk apple cider vinegar and uh some kind of salt sun-dried salt i use Dead sea salt is the best. It has the most, the highest concentration of balanced minerals. Epsom salt is good too. It has a lot of magnesium. And if you're using Epsom salt, you can use more, but you want to use um, no more than two thirds of a cup of salt, sun-dried salt, sea salt in your tub. And three tablespoons was the original recommendation for apple cider vinegar. But I think a half a cup is probably better nowadays with how toxic the water is. I use a whole cup. Okay. Because okay. I also refill the tub. 
So if you're if you're able to reheat your tub in some way where you don't need to add more water, right? That mixture is like you don't need to add any more. But because I add water, I put in a little extra apple cider vinegar, and then um, you know in the beginning, and then I'm drinking milk in the tub, and then I just pour in half of a quart of milk that I'm drinking, mm-hmm. and then I just finish that milk. You know, I keep some water with me, like some San Pellegrino or Gerolsteiner and eggs and a little cheese. Sometimes I'll make a spore formula or if I'm doing vegetable juice that day, I'll drink some vegetable juice too. Instead of milk, I don't mix the two. And uh, you can know, make a spore formula. Does anything to like, you know, kind of keep you hydrated and yeah, got a fan in the corner um, blowing on me for my head and uh ice bag. It's I got it's like a just a Ziploc bag with ice, but I wrap it in um some old cotton pants and I mm-hmm. put that on my head so I don't have the plastic touching me. Of course the ice cubes are standard tap water, but Ogenus says, oh you need to you need to pour some uh spring water and ice cube trays and you know, use that for your bath. That's like, well, I'm not doing that. That's I know that's, that's so intense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. He he was uh he, another thing he did too was um he would pate all his meat in a food processor, mm-hmm. but he's like, yeah, I wouldn't use the meat that touched the plastic in the food processor. Wow. I would, and I would throw it away or give it to you know some animals or something. It was only about 1.6 ounces of meat, but that's what I need to do for optimal health. So, you know, people like compare themselves to Ogenus to try to do everything he did which is great but realize that's some of that's not practical for everybody and it may not even be necessary because his health was not great you know he right. had to work really hard to get there so you know just kind of bougie but I know <laughs> I know that's kind of I like this topic of like at what point is the obs- that is does it at what point does it become an obsession and if it's an obsession is that getting in the way of quality of life so like my health wasn't great but it was like standard american health so i had like brain fog general gut issues you know um in my eyes standard american health isn't great (laughs) like you have health issues but it wasn't (laughs) like i didn't have it's manageable it's manageable. I didn't have to go into the hospital and all of that. Exactly. Um, so I didn't have Ogenus's situation where he was dealing with like cancers, right? And he was yeah, like hospitalized. Fallout from chemo. His vagus nerve was severed, so he couldn't produce like hydrochloric acid in the stomach. He, um, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Accidents, auto accidents. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, what a crazy life. Crazy, crazy guy. Um, So for me, I have a very casual relationship to the diet. Like, I eat eat other stuff. I just basically eat what I want. Like, if I Mm -hmm. want to eat raw meat, it makes me feel really good. I want to eat raw bone marrow. It makes me feel really good, so I'll eat it. But I eat other things, too, just because, I, to me, I weigh joy with, my physical health, like my mental health is part of my physical health in my mind. So like, if I restrict myself too much, I get depressed, like I've tried it before. And it's like, it doesn't feel right for me, it feels depressing. Um, And that's, that's kind of like an argument I have with the folks who like I had Scott Hall, do you know, Scott Hall on here? Um, 
Scott, yeah, he's like really, uh, really strict with the diet. I think he's a fascinating person. Um, and so he's really, he wants to do it 100%. And he thinks everyone else should. And that's the right decision for everybody mm -hmm. else. But for me, if I'm, if I am not happy with the way that I'm living my life, to me, that's not healthy, because happiness is part of being a healthy person sure. in my eyes, you know, and, and uh, fulfillment. And, and yeah, joy is, and well roundedness, I think that's a healthy way to be. And that's, a sign of health. What are your thoughts on this topic? Yeah, you know, personally, I've been doing the diet for five years, and I've been strict on it. And, and I say strict, you know, I'm not following the eating schedules every day. You mm -hmm. know, on the weekends, it's easier for me to do this, the schedule like full, you know, because I, yeah, can, I can find the time right. uh, more. And, you know, I think as long as you're eating the raw foods that are on the primal diet, right. It, and you're doing, you're incorporating all that stuff in some way and you, and you, it's all, you're not, I need any cooked foods. That's a strict primal diet for me. Um, okay. you know, if you're following the eating schedules and everything, that's still a strict primal diet. That's like, that's like to the T super strict primal diet, you know, mm -hmm. and some people do that. I can't do that every day. Um, but I don't eat cooked foods. I haven't eaten cooked foods. The last time I ate a piece of cooked food was when I had, um, I've had detox. It was just a piece of cooked chicken, you know? Okay. And, uh, you know, it's like, cause a, a cooked chicken, baked chicken, it'll like cooked meat will slow down a detox because your body will have to accommodate making enzymes for that cooked food. And so it will kind of slow things down a little bit. There's other things you can do. Like if you, there's like, you can use a lot of lime juice, like four, I don't know, four ounces, four tablespoons, like four tablespoons of lime juice um, with equal parts honey, a little bit of lemon juice. Um, pour that into some sparkling water and like you can drink that and that will help kind of ease the detox. Yeah. And hot baths will help, you know, speed up healing. Um, and you can also, what I do sometimes is I get three hot water bottles and I bundle up in a sweater and, you know, you know, just pajamas. And then I get in a sleeping bag and I just like sweat. Hmm. Like three is enough. Um, Ajanas recommends seven. So you can put them like under your arms on your chest, between your legs, and um, down at the bottom of like your feet, so you have heat like everywhere through your body. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of really like your own, out. your own sauna that you're. Creating. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. without the you know um, harsh steam, which you know if like you're using tap water or sauna, that's not good either. But mm -hmm. anyway, that's another point. But I don't think it's yeah, it definitely you can take it too far. Some people like for their health may need to take it that far. Exactly. And be that strict. Totally. And, I mean, that's fine. And like, yeah. I have a personal choice where it doesn't bother me that I don't eat cooked foods anymore. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bother me that I do the things I do. Um, and I don't really press them on other people who do the primal diet. Like even if they're doing the 50% or 20% or 60%, like, you know, it's health diet. It's like a personal choice. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you're stressing out about what you're eating and not, and not eating all the time, that's going to weigh on your health too. Totally. Um, so yeah, totally. I, I think, you know, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a stretch. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it, you know, not strict. Even Anjanus, like many of his clients didn't do it strict or he had clients who did it and then they stopped doing it. Um, you know, those people, they still say, yeah, I believe in the diet, but it's just a personal choice. I don't want to do like that anymore. It's like, okay, yeah. you know, he wasn't turning clients away because they weren't doing it a hundred percent, you know? Um, yeah. He, he always works with people. And, and and some people will even go as far to say like, oh, you can't eat bread or cooked starch, even though you, you like need it um, for, especially for like a nervous system detoxification. If you're having, the adrenaline like i ate some uh i would eat some rice um when that was happening and it helped a little bit and i did clay and milk as well so that that made a difference and then eventually got to the point where i could just manage it with clay and milk so that's what i did with that like um wait clay what kind of clay uh like i use a french green clay from oh. uh, I get it from a health food store. It's like wholesale. Mm-hmm. It's um, I don't know the brand, but it's um, they contacted the distributors and they're like, yeah, this is sun dried. There's no chemicals. It's all clay. So it's 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 health. It's you know not. They're like, well, don't don't eat it. <laughs> you <start laughs> You're like, yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. So yeah, I was doing a, a teaspoon of the moist clay. So you, I put it in a big jar. And I got it wet with a bunch of spring water and I let it sit for five days. And then I started using it. If you don't do that, it'll strip your mucus and it can cause problems, can cause some diverticulitis um, in your gut. Well, yeah, I guess your gut, your intestines or your colon rather. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have any of those problems, um, but it, it helps to uh, bind those poisons dumping into your system and the cooked starch too. I was doing a lot of cheese. The cheese didn't cut it. I think, I think the cheese is better for metals and general like poisons and cooked starches um, are definitely better for absorbing hormones. They work faster and I think they sponge it up better and clay. Yeah. It's also pretty good. It's like kind of a balance between the cheese and the cooked starch. Um, but I think when people say, oh, we'll just eat cheese, you know, it's like, I don't really think you've gone through um, an adrenaline detox like this um, before. Like, okay. Honestly, so very interesting. This idea that the, the nervous system detox, I'm going to give you some background about my relationship to my nervous system. And then I'm curious about your experience. So I'm doing, I'm kind of working on a spiritual, in a way, kind of a spiritual nervous system detox. Like, um, have you heard of breath work? Mm -hmm. Have you done it before? Mm -hmm. What? Okay. I'm curious to hear about your experience, but the idea that if you do certain breathing techniques, your nervous system kind of heals itself. And I work on with my clients on manifestation, basically just like intentionally getting what they want in life, whether that be like happiness or a career or like a material item or whatever. Like I help people get what they want in life. And it's amazing to see how 
people's lives change when they start to heal their nervous system in that way. So it like I say spiritual because some people get physical detox symptoms, but some people it's more of just an emotional health thing. It's like clearing the trauma from your nervous system. So it's, it, it looks in my opinion, a little bit more like, like emotional health therapy, that kind of nervous system detox. But like I said before, I believe that like our mental health and our physical health is the same thing. If we fix one, eventually the other is going to get fixed and vice versa. So I've been working a lot on stuff like breath work and therapy and um, in a way working on what my nervous system can hold. And the more trauma that we clear, the more our nervous system can hold. So like, if you notice yourself self-sabotaging something, I'm just saying this for the listeners here. If you notice yourself self-sabotaging, or let's say you get a lot of money in, but then it's like gone. If you all of a sudden, you know, and you're like, how did that happen? How did all that money leave my bank account? Or you find yourself in the same pattern again and again and again. That pattern is what your nervous system can hold. So if you change what your nervous system is okay with, then you can hold better and better situations in your life. So I'm not going to go too much more into that right now, but that's what I've been working on. And when you start, when you were talking about the adrenaline experience that comes along with nervous system detox, I've been getting that like all week. Like when I, when I do breath work, I've been doing breath work for the past several months. I'll get this adrenaline feeling where my body wants to like shake, like my body shakes sometimes, or um, I just like want to scream or something like that. And I do that, like that happens to me in the breathwork sessions. But lately, it's been happening to me just like, at night when I'm journaling or something like that. So I'm curious if like, I didn't know that it was an adrenaline thing. I just knew that there was some energy that had to get out of my body. So I'm like, ah, oh, what is this? So I just like do weird stuff. I'll like stand and let my body shake or I'll like, my arms are like sore right now because I was like putting them in weird positions. Um, so is that, does that sound similar to what you have experienced with the nervous system detox? Well, um, maybe not the shaking, but it, it more <laughs> manifested itself as insomnia. So your nervous system detoxes in the oh. night. That's oh. when your brain and nervous system detox. So when you know you're, you're at night wow. journaling, you don't think. Yeah, when the sun goes down, that's when it starts. It kicks into high gear around midnight to five thirty. So I was waking up. Excuse me. I was uh, going to bed around ten o'clock, or sometimes I'd go to bed later. But I'd find myself waking up at, at midnight, or if I went to bed later, I couldn't fall asleep. Or I'd wake up at like one o'clock and I would wake up and like, it wasn't like, oh yeah, oh, I woke up. I'm going to lay in bed. It was like, no, I was awake. Like You were like ready to like go. Like full on. Yeah. Um, like, and I was like, this is, this is messed up. And uh, I, I researched it a little bit and I was like, okay, so this is probably what's happening. And I, uh, that's when I started doing the, the cooked starches because because I didn't have any access to clay at the time. So I was like, well, mm -hmm. this is this is probably the best thing I could do. It helped a little bit, but I was still waking, like I'm I was still waking up. And wow. I could maybe get I could maybe get four hours of sleep on a good night. That's a, that's when I started doing the clay and milk. Like like four hours of sleep was uh <sighs> talking about sleep. Yeah. Sleepy. So that was like the best I could do. 
and it was never continuous either. Um, the emotions, you know, that's a emotional detox. Like every time you go through a trauma or something that stores in your body, yeah, um, those chemicals, um, hormones. And then, you know, as you do the diet or you heal, those are released. You, you'll have to deal with them in some way. And, you know, Ajahn said the best way, you know, for him was just channeling into positive things. You know, he said primal therapy was not, which is where you like thrash and scream and, all that stuff. Um, it's just kind of re-manifesting the emotions and the hormones. It's not oh. really going to appeal to you. That's interesting. So you know, try to find something creative to do. And, um, you know, I'd recommend drinking a lot of like cream with honey and doing clay with milk. The clay with milk should be done at least three to four hours before bed because you need to have it in your system. Uh, you could probably even do it twice a day. You don't want to exceed two tablespoons of clay and you have to make sure it's been wet for five days. You kind of want it to be like that texture, like, like if you've ever gone barefoot in a river and you're swimming yeah. in the river and you step into the bank, you mm -hmm. step in that clay, that dirt, that's kind of the consistency you want it to be. Okay, cool. So, um, So, you know, like that's, that's really helpful. And then, you know, you're not on like a strict diet, so. To cook starch is, you know, kind of a no-brainer for you. Um, rice is really, I think, the easiest thing to digest, um, more so than potatoes. You could try air pop popcorn, too. Really? <laughs> what? This is the yeah, first Yeah, Ajanus ate air pop popcorn a couple times. <laughs> it's true. He That's said, I, you know, the last thing I had was air pop popcorn because I wanted to kill somebody. I had to eat it. So, um, okay so so these cooked starches are to manage because to me this adrenaline feeling I'm like loving it I just I like this psychedelic I've done a lot I've had a traumatic past I guess like everybody else I've done a lot I mean I've made this my job to to heal right because I'm in the self-development industry I, I do it as a full-time job. So I've had a lot of crying. I've had a lot of like dealing with hard emotions. Sure. So I'm not saying that I've arrived or anything like that, but I, now when I go through healing processes, it's, it's emotional healing processes. It's not like, oh no, what's happening? This feels bad. It's like, oh, interesting. My body just wants to do weird stuff. I'm kind of loving it because it feels strange and psychedelic and kind of fun. And I get a euphoric feeling. It's it's just very straight and arrow to me. It's like my body wants to release energy and I really don't have much at uh, emotions attached to it. So it's not bothering me, but would there still be a reason to eat the cooked carbs that's beyond just like, uh emotional support well you know uh, besides the the hormones and the adrenaline you know if you just have a tendency towards activity that just means you're an active person and that's not um bad thing it just means you just need to be more active right you just need to to be more physically active your body needs that physical stimulation um before I started the diet. I was doing uh, karate. I did uh, Kyokushin karate. And, uh, you know, when you talk about breath work and stuff, there's some breathing in there, a lot of breathing, you know, synchronized with movements. Like when you're 
um, you know, punching or kicking, you're breathing out. And when you're mm-hmm. getting hit, you're breathing out. And when you're doing kata and movements, you're synchronizing muscle tension with breathing in and out, in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as you do that, like the more I started to get the hang of it, it was like, it was like the stronger you get, like the more you would train or get involved in, in, you know, sparring or whatever, you would just do that breathing and you would just, it's like, you're just building energy, um, endurance. And, uh, you know, I was very active back then. I would train probably like three, four hours a day. Like I'd ride my bike to the gym took about 40 minutes i'd spend two hours at the gym lifting weights and then i would do um i would hit the bag practice techniques on the bag and then ride my bike home wow and i did that um that's you know, a lot most days of the week and i was also i had there was class three days a week because we had class two days a week and then there was an extra session for people who were uh fighting and uh you know we get together and just spar for like hour and a half two hours mm-hmm. and um i did that for about four years and i started you know when i started the diet i didn't really notice um like my activity like everything was kind of still the same I, I my body hadn't really made any big changes yet but uh you know everything got shut down and uh because of uh, the pandemic and you know everything stopped for about six months or so and i try to go back and do it but i didn't really you know i didn't really want to wear a face max to have to train like, i know i already have a uh i already have a uh restricted airway mm. so like your airway should be 11 millimeters mine's about 7.7 mm. wow and uh so it's it's a little hard to breathe already and uh you know they were just they had some <laughs> some pretty interesting requirements let's say for if you wanted to compete in this tournament Um, they've since dropped them because they weren't getting the um the uh, response for competitors you know they were they didn't they didn't have to draw it used to Mm -hmm. especially interesting enough especially among the women divisions oh so so yeah they got rid of all that and you know i don't know i it's like, I could go back and do that, but honestly, my body has gotten to this point where like, I don't have that desire to kind of get back in and be super active. Like I was, you know, almost every day, like even if I wasn't, you know, riding my bike and doing the gym, I was doing pushups and stuff at home. I try to do 300 pushups a day at least wow. and, uh, you know, squats and all that stuff. And, and I just, you know, I've started to get back in shape a little bit now just mostly like wall stands like for 30 seconds to a minute and some push-ups maybe like 50 push-ups a day and squatting with some you know got some bags of rice laying around you know just big bags and Mm -hmm. uh some uh like water jugs just simple stuff just to kind of keep my body active and moving sweat yeah a little bit yeah because another point with the lymphatic baths is that's less release from your lymphatic tissue into your connective tissue and if it stays in your connective tissue it can cause problems like ms um or other things because you have to sweat out those toxins they'll just kind of stay in your connective tissue if you're not sweating so i've been trying to make a little bit more of an effort to sweat and uh 
get in shape too. Cause I put on, you know, 40 pounds, 45 pounds or so. And, um, I used to move around at 145, 150, 154 was like the heaviest I got, but that was mostly on muscle when I was lifting a lot of weights. And, uh, now it's like, it's a little bit harder to do those push ups. you know, honestly, mm-hmm. with 40 extra pounds. I can still oh do my them, gosh, yeah. but, uh, yeah. And it's good motivation too. Cause I want to get stronger. Um, it moving that weight around because I didn't used to move that weight around when I would work out. So yeah, the activity stuff, you know, like if you can take a good picture of your iris and you can see like white rings around your iris, like that indicates you have activity rings and you need activity. What? And for every ring you have, it's like half an hour to an hour of exercise. I've never heard this before. What, where, where is this from? Like, where did you find that out? Well, Ogenus talks uh, a little bit about iridology. He, he discusses it more in relation um, to his clients at the workshops because there's um, question and answer sessions and then there's workshops and in the workshops, he's kind of detailing like what the diet did for his clients and these clients and he shows the issues they've had and he talks more about the irises and the iridology and those than in the q a's he might mention oh if you have this you might have this going on in your um your irises and the activity rings is a perfect example he talks a lot about that in the q a's because that's easy enough to see you know for a regular person in a, a you know, your average smartphone camera, the back camera, you don't want to use the selfie camera um, mm. nowadays. So pretty easy to see now. And there's a lot of other fine details. You know, he uh, could tell people, not diagnose, he wouldn't diagnose people. He would just say, this is what the medical industry would call this. And, um, you know, if you, you know, no one really has his kind of method. Um, mm. There are some iridologists out there who are you know, like world renowned and they could probably tell you some things. Um, but his was more, you know, I, I believe, I don't know for sure, but I think his was probably a little more accurate. Um, and he could monitor the changes, you know, with his clients. Mm. Um, I talked to one fellow who knew him and, uh, he had a, uh, he had a consultation done. He got a picture, like he takes a big, not a big camera, but like a professional camera, good lens, close up iris picture. So you can put it up on the screen and you can like enlarge it and zoom in really close and look at all the fibers. And he was in New York. This guy was in New York when 9-11 happened and he was exposed to some of that stuff in the air and Ajnus saw him and looked at his irises. He said, so you're going to need a lot of raw fat for the rest of your life to deal with all that. Whoa. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that he could do that nobody else can really do. We just kind of have bits and pieces of how he did it and what he was looking for through some of the stuff that's on audio recordings. So mm-hmm. um, something to do. The best way to take an iris picture is if you can get someone else to do it, or if mm-hmm. you just have yourself, you could try to look at the back sensor where the camera is mm-hmm. and uh, sunlight out in the sunlight works really good. Or if you're in a dark room, and you can use a flash without getting a big glare on your iris. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one way. I took mine in the um, 
in the bathroom mirror with the lights out and a flash. Okay. So I just would hold the the camera, the back facing the mirror, so I could see where my eye was. And then I would look forward to take the picture and the flash would illuminate the uh, eye. And it was pretty decent. So did you find anything out about the way your eye? Well, like I've got issues, uh, cellular damage in my heart, my liver, kind of, it's kind of healing, um, or it's in the process of healing. It doesn't look as bad as like the heart or like my spleen, the bottom of my lungs, uh, my kidneys, my ears and my brain. And I can't tell if it's something to my lower back or like my uh, intestines. Hmm. So these are all areas that need work? Yeah, they are very damaged. I have brown eyes. I should have should have blue eyes, apparently. That's what somebody told me. Oh my gosh, I think I saw something about this online. Like eyes, wait, can our eyes change color? Like if you detox? Yeah, yeah I've seen people what? have small changes. <laughs> I've been looking in my, I've been taking my iris pictures this year. I just started to take an iris picture last year. So it would be on my third year on the diet. I took my first picture and I've been looking in the mirror at my eyes and I kind of feel like I see more green. Like, cause I always had darker brown eyes, but now they're getting a little lighter, I think. Right. Like getting green. closer to like hazel. No, not yet. I, I'm not that close. Like just little areas of green around the edges of my eyes, which indicate fungus, which is a good thing. Cause I mean, I'm, my, the fungus is able to propagate inside the body and consume toxic tissue. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, it's just kind of a. It's just kind of a bother to take a good iris picture. You know, it takes, mm -hmm. you might get lucky and get it in the first five minutes, but mm -hmm. um, I'm just, I'm just not up for it yet. So, <laughs> but uh, this year I'll, you know, I plan to take one. So I kind of measure progress. And it might not yeah. be much. Um, I can see, you know, hopefully by, you know, year 10, I'll see some more changes, but uh, you know, I've had, you know, I would say I've, I've, uh, been to the doctor's office a lot you know growing up getting all the recommended things on uh, the schedule mm -hmm. so you know i've got about 50 of those to detox and it takes about six years to get one of those out of your body so i'm looking at like 300 oh. years of detoxification <laughs> so i may never even win it, may, it might just be a losing battle you know i don't know but but it, we'll it see. doesn't really work like that right because like it it takes six years to get rid of one i mean yeah. i okay um because but, it's going yeah but why I mean, doesn't why doesn't it why doesn't the internal whatever like substances why don't they detox at the same time like they don't detox one at a time right well it's not necessarily one at a time but think of it as like layers so, you know, like you have layers of your body is built up with cells. Yeah. It's like, it's like how your bones are made, right? Like, yeah, your bone, like every seven years you get new bones. And so like when your body's making those bones, depending on like what is going on with your body, that layer of that bone is going to be constructed. It's your body works the same way. I mean, and it also depends in, you know, your environment. What are you dealing with every day in your environment? Um, right. You know, what's your diet like? You know, hot hot baths, 
every day will speed things up for sure and eating a lot of cheese. Um, I think the like the golden ticket is to eat like a pound of cheese every day. Woo! And uh, yeah, I don't I do, could that. do that. <laughs> I mean, I could do that, but that's right? just a lot of cheese. I know. Um, so I, I eat probably a couple cubes or so every hour, maybe. So, I'm, I mean, I've got it throughout the day. And, uh, you know, I'm eating a lot of fish, which is good because it has a lot of minerals. So the minerals are really good for helping to detox the body because the more minerals you have, the more they combine to free radicals and mm. leave the body. The milk I drink is pretty fatty. I eat a decent amount of butter. I don't eat like, I don't go crazy on the butter, but I eat a little bit of butter, you know, throughout the day. And then I'll have some, maybe some bone marrow with my meat meal. And then I'll have some after. I'll have eggs before, during, and after meat meals. And then I'll have, try to have a milkshake or a smoothie at night after that. So, you know, I'm trying to, I, I, I definitely could use more raw fat, but I'm just, uh, like I get some butter from a, a Amish family for like four dollars a pound. And Shut up. They um uh, they don't make I'm they jealous. don't make honey. They don't make uh, butter in the winter, obviously, because there's you know cream deficiency. So I'm waiting until about March before you know I'll send them my bowl, my big bowl, and they'll fill it up for me, and I'll go pick wow. some up. And uh, yeah, I mean I'm not gonna pay you know eight dollars ten dollars for a pound of butter you know if i have if i had a lot of money i mean sure you know it would be me having to drive out <clears throat> you know 50 minutes one way to get the butter but you know i've got a friend who lives up that way anyway so i go and visit him on his farm and he might have some eggs for me or might give me a chicken he's not it's not laying anymore um, some other food sources around there so you know it's not it's not too bad like i can make it worth the trip but um, yeah, I just, I don't have a reason to, to, but they're not like in business. I, I found them out because I really needed the help and um, you know, they just kind of liked me, I guess, and trusted me enough. So I'm, you know, really blessed for that. That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah. That's something I really like. People can like, when you start asking questions around people who have similar values, like when you start really getting to know food sources, people, farmers, they'll help you out. And that's beautiful to see, you know, because I think usually we think of it as such a divide between us and our farmers. And there is still like, you know, it's just cool that it's cool to see how people have found solutions when eating this diet and looking for raw dairy products and looking for animals to butcher, it's, it's cool to see that. I have a lot of cool stories that I've heard on this podcast about people just finding or putting out Craigslist ads and people are like, mm -hmm. Hey, I hunted this animal and you can have the heart and you know? Yeah. Craigslist cool. is great. I, um, Craigslist tip is you can search up rooster and farm and garden and people often just give away the roosters. Because they have extra roosters or they hatch oh, wow. chickens and they want to get rid of them. Because it's like, you you don't want to have too many because it'll it'll oh. disrupt the flow of the flock. I used to work in the farming industry and I've been attacked by roosters before. I know exactly what happened. Yeah, that too. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good way to get cheap or free meat. And uh, 
as you said, you know, finding sources, but also just driving around and talking to people, you know, you might be yeah. surprised. It's, it's, it's a big, you know, it's, it's good to like support other organic farms, even if you're ordering from them, but it's possible and it's worth the effort, I think, to try to find local sources, you yeah. know, because if you help local sources develop, you know, then that, that becomes an outlet for more people in your area. Mm-hmm. It's a decentralized, you know, sort of situation. Because if you're just, everybody's just ordering from the same places, a couple places, you know, and something happens to one of those places, then you're screwed, you know? So it's important to try to develop different places. Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Where are you located? I'm in Ohio, Central Oh, Ohio. you are? Okay, I'm in Michigan. Okay. We're close. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. And I I know some people who are finding a lot of raw dairy, like the middle state. I don't know. You can find it everywhere. Actually, you guys, you can find it everywhere. Cause I found it. I've, I lived in New York city. You people will, I mean, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, I guess, but like you can find it even in New York. It's legal. It's legal in New York. No, isn't it? I don't know if you have to have a herd share like in Michigan you have a herd share so technically I own cows um I don't know if it's like that in New York but in Pennsylvania it's very very legal and it's a huge thing because of all the farming so there's a connection between Pennsylvania and New York for sure um and that's how I found it there and then I moved to North Carolina and that was amazing in the south it's even more in my experience, it's even more like what you're talking about. Just like you can talk to people, they'll hook you up, they'll help you. In Michigan, it's a little more like, like I have one or two, I I, I have one out of two scenarios uh, when I talk to a farmer that is doing things in a really thoughtful way and like the quality that I want. One is like, they're all business. They're not going to like do anything under the table and it's going to be, you're going to, kind of pay the price for it they're very all business or you can kind of talk to them they'll they'll hook you up it's more like a friendship Mm -hmm. kind of like your situation with your butter it's one of the two and in Michigan it's usually the all business situation I haven't I love the farmers that I work with um and they're they're just making things work for themselves for what their situation is but I don't have any like uh, I don't have any under the table relationships with any farmers here, but in North Carolina, that was easier to find for some reason, the culture there, I don't know if they have more freedom and they're able to sell things for less or whatever, but like, I would have people just give me stuff and lots of under the table stuff there. And then like in California, uh, raw dairy is, um, raw dairy is legal and, so I guess it's all over the place, but I just, I always think about Ohio and Illinois and like the middle states. There's just a lot of farms around you guys, right? So mm-hmm. you have a lot of options. Yeah. You have yeah. to look. Um, but like, if you go to a farmer's market, you know, um, yeah, you can find people who have a lot of kind of the same thing. You know, a lot of people are growing tomatoes and cucumbers and melons and this and that, but um, you know, they know other farmers who aren't there. So you can kind of like, Oh, hey, I'm looking for this. Do you know anybody? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's word of mouth sort of thing. So Yeah, definitely. And I would say, I guess maybe, too, it's like 
metropolitan areas, they're a little bit more wary about that. Like if you're in more of a town situation, like in New York, I remember asking around for raw milk before I found this Amish farm that was from a different state. And they were just like, no, they were like super rude. <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to tell you because they don't know. It's a lot of people coming through. They don't know if I'm from the government yeah. or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, but it's so rewarding contacting farmers. It's so rewarding uh, developing relationships with farmers. One of my favorite things to do. That's awesome. Um, that you're finding that where you are. Okay. I want to talk about the moldy berries because I hadn't seen someone uh, pursue those until I came on your YouTube page. So you mentioned earlier in our conversation that molds help with detox, right? What's the, yeah, well, what's... they are, they are detoxifying. They, um, the fruiting bodies on the mold, they'll, uh, propagate inside your body and they will seek out toxic, um, tissue well like okay so the moldy berries they help dissolve mutant antibodies in those um injections so i really need those and uh they'll yeah they it takes a couple of days for them to kick in and you can be lethargic for a month couple months i've heard some people being lethargic for like up to a year Wow. but i don't know their situation if they had enough weight or how long they were on the diet you want to be on the diet two years before you try to eat anything moldy oh. um, and it isn't just moldy berries. You know, you can eat moldy butter, which is a little easier to digest and it will help dissolve some old cooked fats. You can eat moldy meat, which will help dissolve toxic muscle tissue. Or like if you're eating moldy liver, like high liver, that will help, you know, detox your liver. It'll eat some of the junk in there um moldy bone marrow same thing it'll go after the, the the moldy or the the bad marrow in your body cool i let my marrow get a little bit moldy um but yeah that's just kind of how the molds work in general um you know and i don't know like certain berries do different things lighter berries get rid of uh lighter metals like aluminum so um that's so interesting i think blueberries are good for aluminum and berries like blackberries and mulberries, they're better for mercury. And raspberries are good for iodine. And I know there's black raspberries, which is kind mm. of interesting. I think yeah. those might even be better because they look almost like iodine, like the supplement. Wow. So, um, I don't know. I haven't like I haven't experimented with that. I just have a friend who has a small uh, blackberry bush um, at their house, which is I was working on with them over the summer a little bit at the community garden and uh, it's pretty pretty fun yeah that's awesome but it's kind of interesting you know they're all vegans right right and then there's me and yeah. you know but it's like everyone's understanding like i'm like whatever you want to be vegan that's fine i mean you know obviously i'm gonna eat raw meat you know i, I might yeah. bring I, I brought over like you know some milk and eggs i need i just suck on my eggs and sometimes eat some swordfish you know, ceviche I would bring, and I mean, yeah, I kind of outwork all of them, but you know, <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. Um, I mean, at least you can bond over raw fruit, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone has a appreciation for organic grown yeah, fruits and that's... you know vegetables and things. Um, 
I don't really eat the vegetables. I would juice right. some things, you know, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that or some people might be a little precluding, like, oh, you can't be in our community garden because you're not primal. It's like, okay, that's, it's not really realistic, right? Like, no. there's a lot of people who have a lot of good skills who don't necessarily want to eat this diet and, yeah, you know, yeah. Just like you were saying earlier, like having that exclusionary exclusionary attitude i don't think that's that's healthy but yeah that's that's pretty much it about moldy berries you know they they get rid of the mutated antibot um mutant antibodies mm -hmm. in those uh injections and every time i ate them i would get tonsil stones after three to five days they would pop up they get like wow. a sore throat and then it would just come out and i got some big ones too like 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 small stones like oh wait so you just cough them up you'll feel them like you'll feel it's like i got something in my throat i got oh. something in my throat and you just put your flashlight back there and you'll see it in your tonsil it'll be lodged it'll be like a white mass and you know you go to the doctors you're like oh that's just a calcium deposit you're eating too much calcium because when they test the the stones they find a lot of calcium right but that's just your body using calcium or other minerals to bind to the toxin so they can leave your body. Because I've opened a couple up on my thing and you can see dark spots in them. Like you can see right. like a dark gray spot and they smell awful. They smell Ew. Really weird. Yeah. But, but how do you get them? So you get them removed. You go to the doctor to get them no, removed? No, no. Well, they just, they come out or I cough them out. It's kind of hard. Like okay. sometimes they'll get stuck if they're big and like you'll cough them out kind of, but then you swallow them. If I swallow them, I'll eat cheese. Or if I know I'm going to try to get one out, I'll eat cheese before. So that way anything that's in there doesn't get reabsorbed in my body okay. or most of it doesn't get reabsorbed. It's already, it, it, theoretically, it's already bound to stuff. So your yeah. body shouldn't reabsorb it. Right. Um, But just in case, you know, Right. Oh, that's so interesting. And I saw that you were saying you get an itchy scalp, like dandruff after you eat them too. Yeah, I got, uh, yeah, it was like the first time I've ever had dandruff in my life. It was like mostly this front part of my scalp. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, man, it's itchy. It's itchy. It was like snowing. And uh, yeah, that's just stuff leaving, I think like your brain or your skull it's part of your body wow. and it's just coming out as flakes through the skin um you know I'm, I'm not really too big on like skincare you know i used to have really bad eczema like leprosy level eczema like open wow. wounds oozing oh my god um, way before i started the diet this is back when i was like 14 and then again when i was like 17 and like all across my neck and between like the soft part of my elbows and behind my knees, um, bits of my thigh and on my back, like the eczema was just so bad. I mean, I couldn't help but scratch it. Like, yeah. right. It, it just felt so good. Right. And uh, it, it just, it was just, was, they were just open wounds. Like I wake up every morning and stretch and I just rip all the skin, uh. the scabs. And that was my life for like a year. Uh, and you know they're like oh try these steroids try these creams of course, and, yeah. you know some of them worked but i and i never really had any problems from them yet 
Um, I'm kind of expecting to, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I won't, but like, I didn't really use them a lot either. Like I used them when I needed to. And, uh, yeah, but it was, and I think like the eczema is a fungus on your skin, which makes sense because I don't have any scars. I have zero scars from where I had all those open wounds, which is really just kind of mine. Just blows my mind. Yeah. But yeah, it, you wouldn't even know I had it. So I think wow. it was like the, the fungus, like getting something out of my body. Like I was on antibiotics a lot, mm-hmm. like once a year for strep throat and stuff or ear aches. When I was little, um, yeah, same. So maybe that, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know if it has to do with the injections I had. Um, I was formula fed, or not. Maybe that had something to do with this. I, I don't really know, but I haven't had that happen because I started fasting and watching what I eat before I started the diet. And you know, like I said, I lived in Asia for a while, and that. Right. Um, that was a big turning point because I really started craving those healthful foods and I stopped having so many processed foods. Of course I would, you know, indulge the treat every now and then, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like where I was, some people are eating fast food every day or a lot and yeah. um, consuming a lot of processed junk. Um, I kind of saw that very early on and try to take better care of my diet. So you know, maybe that's something to do with it. And fasting, I don't know. I started fasting and you know, it was okay. I, you know, I was eating like in the eight hour window, eating, oh, yeah. you know, meat and rice and a vegetable and, uh, you know, ice cream. I did ice cream. I, I did other stuff too, but it wasn't like, it's was a pretty decent diet. I wasn't eating a lot of fast food, like I said. Right, right. Processed foods. So, you know, and then I started doing one meal a day for a while but then i found the primal diet and i started eating more and mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty good i don't feel like fasting affected my health in too many ways you know negatively mm. um it kind of it, for for a while it kind of felt good because mm-hmm. i felt like my brain was working started working better yeah because it was like you were going in hunger mode so now you're like focused you're like you like have to force yourself to focus to t- find food i guess huh um but oh that's uh, interesting i've never heard it described like that yeah that's that's kind of what i felt and mm. um you know yeah but i don't know i i don't really think it's it's too good to do i uh i may i may do a dry fast for six or seven days for my weight loss cycle because i've heard some people curing their tinnitus that way oh, getting okay. rid of their tinnitus yeah how long have you had tinnitus um it's been fifteen months, sixteen months. It was um from a loud equipment. Oh. Um, I didn't have the best ear protection and I didn't really you know, I had earplugs, but I didn't really think I would need over ear protection. But because I mean it wasn't like it was too loud, like because I was around it without the ear protection for like a few minutes but I, I can notice a difference like mm-hmm. it, they were working but mm-hmm. i think it had something to do with the sound waves like just the level of sound the percussive force the sound damaged some nerves in my inner ear or where my brain links to my inner ear yeah so you know i've um it's another reason i've started eating more white meat 
80% chicken, 20% fish, or rather like 70% chicken, 20% fish, and then 10% beef or pork is also good because that way you have meat going everywhere you need to. The, the red meat will help the muscle and it won't take away from the white meat going to the nerves. Um, so mm. I noticed that helps. And I sleep on a hot water bottle, you know, when it's not too... The conundrum is, you know, when it's hot, you have sun and the sun is healing. But when it's hot, it's hard to sleep on a hot water bottle um, to yeah. really kind of <laughs> maximize that healing. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's a that's a that's a problem. But I've uh, I've made it more manageable. And, uh, you know, there isn't unfortunately is not a lot about tinnitus in Ogenesis work. I've checked everywhere. And wow. the best solution I could come up with is uh, sleep on a hot water bottle. And he said it's very hard to heal. And he said it like uh, in a way, like like someone asked, like, "What do you do about tinnitus?" He's like, "Oh, that's that's very oh, hard to heal." No, he said it like that. that. He said I it like that. Hearing stuff and, like that. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, the guy who can uh, you know get rid of cancer and stuff. <laughs> He's like, but tinnitus. Like, oh, but tinnitus. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. The problem is there's no circulation in that area, so that's why you have the heat there. Um, and I've been thinking about maybe going to a warmer climate, uh, mm. maybe going to Thailand or something, because um, that's because I've been looking up. You can find milk there. Um, they produce milk. Mm -hmm. and i mean it's asia you just have to go find someone and talk to someone exactly and they can yeah. get your raw milk it's not illegal you'll be fine right so you know and they have the coconut cream and another thing they have is a sugar cane juice mm. um which will be very good for getting rid of stored sugars and carbohydrates mm. um, it works even better than the you know, celery juice but it's a very similar alkalizing um you know base juice you can drink a lot of it and it's not like you know, you want to limit things like beet juice and carrot juice and because of the sugars in those mm. um, and things like lettuce. If you wanted to juice some kale, you know, 5% for that. Um, I've done that a little bit. It's, it's all right. Um, but yeah, the sugarcane juice is really good. That also, another thing I had when I was in the, Nepal that was, you know, very, very tasty. I'd like to get more of that. You can't get it here. Like I can't juice sugar cane because mm -hmm. you need a whole machine for that it's like 300 dollars to get a sugar cane press mm -hmm. or if you want a commercial one they're like a grand um wow that's i've been so trying to talk i've been trying to talk my um vegan friends into it because they're in the food business and i'm like hey you know if you buy this machine yeah. <laughs> for a thousand dollars and you set up um uh, at all the festivals during the summer you can make your money back oh, like easy, yeah. you know, because there's yeah. no one else in my area that does sugarcane juice. And we have a pretty high um, Asian population. Oh. So, I mean, you'd have a, you'd have a line out the door. Like That's you would, you would so run out cool. of sugarcane. I'm and just like, this other is a, people this. found out about it too. It's delicious. I was in Dominican Republic and I had it. I don't, I think it was the juice or we just like chewed on the sugarcane. And that was just yeah. tasty. Like we chewed Either on the sugar cane. Fine, yeah. yeah. And like, and ate the juice. That's what it was. It was so good. So, yeah. wow, that's awesome. Okay. Oh, man, there's a couple of questions I still want to ask, but. um, Go ahead. We'll, we, can, we can go rapid fire. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I need to start writing them down too, but okay. 
back to the nerves. Okay, so I want to talk about the nerves for one more second, then I want to talk about Asia and like how you got there. So remind me about that. But the nerves, what are you trying to de what what is being detoxed from the nerves? Uh heavy metals or adrenaline, mostly heavy metals like uh mercury, you know, it because your body works as uh you know through electrical signals and light, right? So if you think about it like if you have electricity, like electricity isn't a thing. Electricity is a result of the dielectric mm -hmm. applied to um, the magnetic. And that's what produces electricity. So in our body, we have these metals that facilitate the electrical function in our bodies. So if you have an imbalance of metals or metals in different places, they're going to cause misfiring or not firing or oh. just enough firing. So it's really like... Yeah, it really all comes down to those, you know, precious metals that we naturally have in our body. Wow. Um, and if you upset that balance, it can cause problems. So, you, you know, when the stuff isn't there, that's there, your body's going to get rid of it no matter what it is. And um, yeah, a lot of that stuff stores in the nerves. Plus, you know, you have things like adrenaline and toxic hormones that will build up. Um, and adrenaline detox can run anywhere from like six to one and a half years. Mine took eight months. Um, I was doing the baths twice a week that really helped and eating the white meats. And I just kind of noticed one day that I slept for like six hours, even though I had the clay and milk, I'm like, Oh, I think it's, I think it's gone. Wow. And then I stopped doing the clay and milk and I was just sleeping, like sleeping again, like for six hours and seven hours. But now I can get like a whole night's sleep. I still wake up to eat. Like my body just wakes up. I, I eat some eggs. Or I drink some milk, depending on how much more I'm going to sleep. If I'm going to sleep more than five hours, um, again, I'll drink the rest of my milk and the eggs. But if I'm going to sleep another hour or two, I just drink the eggs so I don't wake up groggy. Mm. But it's the nerves. It's the metals and the nerves that are coming out and that come out in nighttime. So if you can't sleep, even with clay and milk, you try to readjust your schedule so you're productive from midnight to yeah. 5 a.m. And then you yep. can sleep before midnight. To like sleep to midnight from seven to 12 and then take a nap from like six to nine in the morning. And you can do that until you, uh, you know, you're back to normal. But sometimes people schedule, like my schedule didn't allow that. So I just kind of dealt with it with clay and milk and try to sleep yeah. more on the weekends. Right. So. Right. That's what I do. I let myself sleep kind of whenever I want. So I think that's why I don't know if that's, and like I said, I'm only doing like half like I am doing 50%, I think the, the diet. So like, I would imagine somebody who's doing it like you, you're going to have these bigger detox. I know that I'm eating stuff that like, I'll eat like frozen pizza and stuff like that. So I know that I'm eating stuff that's, um, it's, it's kind of like an interesting dance between the diet and like, I'll eat restaurant food too. Sometimes I just mm -hmm. don't really prefer like the, the food on the diet, raw animal products makes me feel amazing. So I like stuff that makes me feel amazing. And then sometimes I, like you say, if you want a treat or something uh, sounds like really fun for me to eat, I'll eat that. And it's interesting to see how the diet kind of really heals my body. And then how this other food kind of mixes with the diet and the diet is kind of healing the other food that's mm -hmm. going into my body. It's just an interesting dance. Um, but nonetheless, I would still say that like, I mean, our bodies are always constantly healing, right? Anyway, um, so like, 
I always get really good sleep no matter what, even when I'm, when I'm feeling like this adrenaline, like this nerve detox, I guess it is now I'm realizing, um, I'll still get really good sleep because I'm just like letting myself go to bed when I want and letting myself be productive when I'm feeling productive. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Okay. And then what about, so why is there adrenaline? Why is adrenaline part of that process of nerve detox? Well, it's, it's just, um, toxic adrenaline that gets stored. Like your body has to use it. You know, I, um, used to compete and I used to fight and you want to talk about adrenaline, like, you know, like I broke, um, I broke my uh, toe once or I popped it out of place, the metatarsal bone or the meta, whatever bone in the foot. I know metatarsal, metacar- not meta. I think it is metatarsal. I think this is metacarpal up here, mm-hmm. but it's like yep. the bone behind your toes. I kick somebody and they step back. I went to kick their ribs and I ended up connecting with their elbow. And, uh, you know, I didn't even notice it until after the fight. I just had this huge bulge on my foot oh. and uh, I'm like, Oh, and oh. it it went back into place. I was just kind of stretching my foot and I wasn't even thinking about it. And I, I toe down to the floor all the way. And it just, I, there was a click and it felt really good, but it felt also really bad at the same time. Mm. It went back into place. I didn't even feel it when it happened. Um, of course, even like you're getting hit by some guys and you know, they're not strong punchers. I didn't even feel that. It's like they did nothing, but <laughs> they might, they might kick me in my knee and I, yeah, I'll feel that, but it's not like, yeah it stopped me um you get like a big contusion like a big golf ball swelling on my knee and some I'm still able to kick their head or something like like wasn't really expecting to do that but I did you know the adrenaline like really I don't know I can't describe it and then like you just feel it afterwards it like kind of like like you hit the peak and then you're just kind of like oh you come down and it's hard like the night before even like I don't know maybe some people can sleep where they have a tournament or a fight, but I never could. Right. Um, so like you're stressed out before. And even like, you know, if you go through any kind of like trauma, like if you're attacked or have some like really just messed up crap, like you're going to have that fight or flight. Anytime that fight or flight yeah. is triggered and that's going to uh, like it, like any toxic, hor- like any hormone or emotion you have that's bad, that's going to store in your body. Yeah. And if you don't process it, it's going to stay there until you process it and get it out. So mm. it's kind of intermixed in that. Um, but also I think like the glands are a source of where stuff gets stored really bad. That's why I don't eat any animals. Um, glands are organs that have been injected um, mm-hmm. because a lot of that stuff stores there. So if you have toxins in those areas, then, um, you know, that's, that's going to come out of your body. Right. Um or cause a dysfunction like in your endocrine system you know like a big part of it is raw fats you know right so the body needs raw fats mm-hmm. hormones are made of raw fats 60 80 percent of hormones are made of raw fats so if you're not getting that in your diet your body your glands are going to be working overtime to produce that and mm-hmm. that's why people are attracted to certain behaviors to stimulate that to get to that's why they get addicted to it it's like a psychological thing but it's also a physical thing through that hormone production that's what i that's just what i believe mm. um like people who are always um who are always uh you know like they're always trying to start drama they're always trying to tr- trying to start trouble it's like well why are you doing this it always ends badly it's, well because they're addicted to that feeling because that's yeah. the hormones they're producing it's like why are you always angry you know it's like 
it's because you're addicted to those hormones yeah. your body's producing those hormones in a certain way it's like well why are you you know even things like smoking or drinking or other yeah. bad substances people do like a lot of that stuff produces an adrenal response or some sort of hormone response yeah. and it's it's those chemicals yes mixed with the psychological thing but also mixed with this physical component of hormones which is what gives the body energy so you know if you were to just drink some raw milk you know you could really like cut that down you could say well you know i don't really need to do those things because i feel satiated from all these raw fats it's not that my body's ingesting them i don't need to produce them yeah oh my gosh that's so cool i love that you're bringing this up right now and it is true when i ate raw meat for the first time it was like a raw i get like i just get a bunch of my favorite raw meat uh item to eat is like a raw new york strip steak with like that yellow fat strap i i love Mm -hmm. that i could eat that nonstop. So the first time I ate raw meat, I think it was something like that. It had a lot of raw fat in it. It wasn't just like lean meat. And I felt really satiated. I it's I always describe it to people like it was a spiritual experience for me. It was very spiritual. I felt happy. I felt like enlightened just by eating this, this raw meat. Um, okay, so that happened. And that showed me that, wow, like you can just feel good. You can just feel good. Just from food, yeah. Yes, just from food and nothing bad, you know, because earlier on in my life, it was like, oh, I could feel good by doing things that kind of like destruct my life too. Like I did drugs and alcohol, lots of alcohol and all that. And I always thought like the stuff that makes me feel the best is the stuff that could like tear my life apart. But in reality, I'm like, oh my God, food can make you feel good actually. So it's all good. Like you need the food. It's good. You're supporting great farmers. It's all a good situation. Um, But uh, I will also admit that I have a certain tolerance for drama in my life. It's never the type that's, would come up with family or friends uh, or something that would be really long and drawn out. It's very low drama, but online, I have a certain amount of availability for haters coming into my uh, ecosystem. And that kind of happens in the raw meat world, but I Mm -hmm. like it. There's something about, I think I've brought this up on this podcast before. There's something that I like about somebody coming in and questioning me on what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm I'm sure there's an element of that that there's this uh yeah there's this excitement that happens from that level of drama so it's cool to hear you describe it like that like um yeah our bodies we want to feel like we want to feel something Mm -hmm. and that can look all different ways yeah especially when people are more you know disconnected and everything's kind of online you know it becomes like a you know the attention and everything too but the attention yeah and like you're mentioning with food too, you know, psych- psychologically, like when you're talking about, you know, you still be cooked foods, yeah. it's still a psychological thing. You know, some people say, oh, well, you can just eat raw foods and you can satisfy all your cravings. It's like, yeah, biologically, you know, physically on some level, yes. But, you know, when you think about, um, I've had some people talk to me about like, oh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, like what do I do? You know, I, I, yeah. I don't want to bring my food over and I, I, I'll feel rude if I don't eat. And it's like, well, you know, if you want to, then you can. And if you don't, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't really care. Um, yeah. 
you know, and then people like my family knows, you know, why I do, they know I'm not going to, they know I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And that's too bad. Um, And I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not, you know, at first my mom and, you know, my dad were like, oh, you're going to get parasites or you're crazy, but I'm fine. So, you know, it's like, I'm not wrong. And, um, you know, for me, psychologically, yeah, at first it's kind of hard. Like, you know, you still do miss some things. Um, but the times I've eaten cooked food, like I, I did try to do holiday meals, but it just, you know, I think three years ago was the last time I tried to do a holiday meal and it just destroyed my stomach. Mm. Like I just had the biggest bowel movements for three, four days. Mm. I'm like, that's not normal. Like that, that, that never even happened to me when I was eating raw food, but now it is. And that's Mm -hmm. how I know it's like, it's just made me feel like crap. And I kind of broke that psychological barrier. It's like, okay, I don't want to eat that because it's just going to make me feel bad. Yeah. So to me, it's like you make the decision. If you make the decision, it makes life so much easier. It's harder when you're like, oh, maybe I should, maybe not. And then you kind of half-ass it and you just feel bad anyway. That's so much harder than being like, yes, I want to do it. Yes, I don't want to do it. Like do what you want to do. It's really that simple. Because some people say, you know, oh, you shouldn't tell people to, um, you know, eat cooked foods. It's like, I mean, I'm not telling people to really eat anything except what they want to eat. You know, Mm -hmm. if people want to do the diet strict, they can. If they don't want to do the diet strict, it doesn't matter what I'm going to tell them. Like, it doesn't matter if they know the facts, they know the facts. If they believe in the diet, they believe in the diet. You know, I'm irrelevant. I mean, I'm just here for the people who are on the diet. You know, it doesn't really doesn't really affect me i don't really and i think you know it's like if everybody was on the primal diet you know there isn't enough food to feed everybody you know Mm. there's there's a real scarcity so it's like is it really is it really wise to start promoting the diet i mean unless everybody started making their own food which i really doubt many people are going to do i think some people are um but it certainly isn't enough to accommodate like a, a a mass tidal wave of people who just decide well i'm going to eat the primal diet now because so and so yeah said so um and you know the food will only get so expensive before it's gone and that's any kind of food um i i digress i was going to go off on a tangent there but um (laughs) i mean that's a whole conversation right now the food system and yeah well yeah and things are heating up with uh you know israel and iran um and their new government um they don't want Iran to have nuclear weapons. You know, we're funding a proxy war in Ukraine to hundreds of billions of dollars and lots of equipment. And uh, Russia is not, you know, they're not losing by any means. Other NATO powers are getting involved in sending support. Um, you have the issue of uh, Taiwan and China and us. And, you know, if we get stretched thin, then you know china is going to walk on into taiwan i mean i used to so i used to live in taiwan oh wow um, i taught english there and oh. uh you know if one thing they had there was a little bizarre was they had military day so all the kids would dress up in military fatigues and they would do drills with you know fake guns and obstacle courses and stuff Whoa. yeah um and i mean when you go and like some people talk about this issue oh well taiwan's independent it's like not really. I mean, you go into Taiwan, the first thing you get is a visa paper. In big red letters, it says People's Republic of China. Whoa. So, I mean, this narrative that, oh, you know, Taiwan's independent, 
yeah it's, it's not it really is not as independent as uh people and i think was it in 1974 you know we kind of acknowledged that you know taiwan is kind of in not independent kind of independent um so i mean there's a lot there's a lot of history there but i mean it's just like the world is really accelerating towards you know a lot more uncertainty um so yeah, food supply is definitely important. That's why it pays to get to know your local farmers. Yeah. Because if shipping problems happen, you're not going to be able to get a, a um, you know, anything from Pennsylvania probably, uh, likely or on time. And maybe your food is a little more, you know, rotten than you might like it. Mm -hmm. Um. So that's just that's just the reality. So it's important to, you know, be prepared and uh, foster local connections. 100%. I totally agree. And that was evident too in the pandemic. Like, right. I didn't have any problems. I still don't like, we're still having issues. My parents will be like, oh, they didn't have this at the grocery store, or this. And I'm, I'm so disconnected with that because I always get my raw milk from my farm mm -hmm. every week. And then in the pandemic, I was shopping at like health food stores at the most. Otherwise I was just shopping at farmer's markets and they had everything, you know, like it was busy. Like they might've been out of some stuff, but you could get meat, you can get cheese. You could get even like locally made bread. You could get all that stuff and it tastes yeah. better. And you know, one thing I can't get is I tried to get uh sweet breads which is uh thymus or pancreas mm -hmm. um and uh you know they're like we just can't get it in fresh these past three years you know everything is still kind of messed up because i don't eat frozen meat i i yeah really eat fresh meat you it's know, not the, as good i don't know how it, people it, eat yeah people meat. people just eat it because they um have to I guess in a way, and they want to save money and they don't want to, they like to buy them. I mean, there's a convenience to buying in bulk, set it, forget it, pull it out when I need it. Uh, some people also might be afraid of bacteria, but the thing is with that, the bacteria always comes back and it's a bacteria that will decompose like dead flesh. It isn't live enzymes like fresh raw meat. I know. So it's more detoxifying anyway. So you're, hmm. you're, you're risking more of the, you know, perceived issues that you're trying to circumvent by freezing your meat um yeah there's a price aspect and the convenience aspect also for sure um, but things like cold water fish from like the north atlantic or in some other places that get really cold those fish can be frozen because their their cells are acclimated to that temperature so oh, so some fish so like cod like you could eat frozen cod um, yeah, it just still sounds like it wouldn't taste as good. I'm in. Oh, I'm it's, into it's it for fine. the pleasure. I mean, I've had orange roughy before, and that's a very deep water fish, and uh, it comes in frozen because uh, it has to come from New Zealand. It tastes fine. It tastes it's normal, almost like yeah. It tastes almost like regular fresh fish. I mean, maybe a little bit, like I could tell, but mm -hmm. like you know, maybe 10 15 percent difference. Okay, but it's uh, like it's more expensive. So um, it's like, I'm not going to spend more expensive money on frozen meat. I just tried right, it once. Right, but, right, yeah. right. Makes sense. Um, So do you worry about, I mean, obviously you don't worry about heavy metals in the fish because you eat it a lot, but like, what's the deal with that? So yeah, there is metals in fish um, for sure. And plastics, you know, but like the way I see it, the plastic issue is um, 
you know, we're screwed. Like all you can do is just minimize your exposure to it. Okay. Um, like when I get my milk, I put it in glass. Um, I ask them to wrap my um, meat in the butcher paper, not the plastic with the paper, even though yep. it's plastic lined butcher paper. Again, um, meat comes wrapped in plastic. Um, yeah. It's like, you're not, you're not going to escape it unless you go move totally away from society and have your own food source for everything. Cheese mm -hmm. comes in plastic. So like, yeah, it's like, whatever, I'm not even going to stress about it. Um, yeah. But the metals and fish are a thing. Um, Ajahn just did experiments where he had people eat raw and cooked swordfish. He found that, you know, um, and this was a while ago. So the numbers are probably be a little different today, but 90% of the toxins were passed through on the raw foods. And, um, like 90% were absorbed with the cooked food, the cooked fish. Whoa, because um, in an animal or even in a human, right? Like all the toxins we have, like they're bound mm -hmm. to fats or muscle tissue. But, you know, when they're, when you're, when they're cooked, um, they get released. Those bonds are broken. So all those uh, toxins or metals are released as free radicals. And your body is going to end up absorbing them. But if you're eating it raw, your body isn't going to absorb them because it kind of knows like what's already, what's already, you know, kind of assigned, if that makes sense. But I, what I do is I just eat cheese. I eat a little cheese before I put cheese on my fish pate and then I eat cheese after and I eat mm -hmm. butter and, and cheese with my fish. So, um, you know, I've never had a problem. Okay. Okay. And the, the metals in fish, some of them are natural, you know, so they're going to help pull out other metals in mm, your body like okay. the, the high mercury content in swordfish like uh, some of that mercury is natural that's a good thing because that's going to help get rid of the other stuff in your um your system right. like oysters like oysters mm. are okay even farmed oysters because uh, they're just kind of netted off but they're really good for getting mercury out of the body because they have the high mineral content right so. okay okay um Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about Asia now. What made you want to go over and live in Taiwan and Nepal? And did you live anywhere else in Asia? Um, not live, but I've traveled to Hong Kong and uh, Thailand. And um, basically on the border of India there, which mm. um, is kind of a whole story. But anyway, um, I uh, always wanted to travel. Me and a few friends, we were planning, you know, that uh, that cliche, oh, let's go to Europe after high school trip. Yeah. And that was like, it's like, well, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if we can pull that off. It was kind of short notice. Mm -hmm. And so what if we just, you know, drive across the country somewhere? And then we found out like, this is before Airbnbs and stuff. It was like, you need to be 21. And have right. a credit card to rent a hotel. Right. You need to be 25 to rent a car. We're just like, oh shit. <laughs> and we were all going off to college. And uh, you know, they had the one friend we were planning with, he uh ended up uh taking his own life. And oh. uh, you know, it was just uh really, really sad. He was one of the the smartest uh people I knew, like, wow. you know, a little out there, but he was he was hilarious. And he was smart, like really smart. And uh, 
you know, I just kind of got thinking about it. Like, it's like, man, like, you know, I want to travel. Like, I still want to travel and I want to go somewhere. And I saw this thread on Reddit. um, Because I used to do a lot of Reddit back in the day, but I I don't anymore. It's when Aaron Schwartz died, that's when Reddit kind of started to be, you know, it got taken over like really corporate, a lot of astroturfing by um, agencies and other like media groups. Um, a lot of the content there is not as organic as it used to be. Mm. Uh, but anyway, I um, I was like reading this uh, young woman's journey to Indonesia. And she just went to Indonesia and all the crazy stuff she did. I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. And she just went, you know, by yourself. And and then I was like, okay, I'm going to travel somewhere. Maybe I'll go to Indonesia. And my my mother, she um, had a, a co-worker who's traveled all over the world. And like he, he hitchhiked through uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan in the 80s. Wow. He hitchhiked through Tibet. He's all over China. Um, he's been to Africa in a couple of European countries, um, all over Southeast Asia. He's been to Nepal like 17 times. He's there right now, actually, because um, he ended up marrying a woman from there. And he does some uh, import export business and uh, selling handicrafts around the country. Mm. Um, and uh, so I was talking to him about everywhere he's been. He showed me all these cool pictures. He showed me these pictures. He was in Tibet where uh, he was photographing a sky burial and he was like one of the only people in the world to have this on film because they would not let foreigners near there and Mm -hmm. he camped out overnight in some rocks um above the place where they did the the sky burials Mm -hmm. which is where they put a dead body out and the vultures come to eat it and he you know showed me these pictures i'm like you know wow that's that's really cool funny part is is he told people at the guest lodge what he was doing some japanese guys and they tried to do it but they the security found them and beat them up because they came oh my back God. they came back uh that night that next evening and they were all beat up oh. they're like oh we didn't, we didn't get to see it um, Wow! but yeah all kinds of crazy stories he was you know held hostage in some war room in china because he was camping out next to some military base he didn't even know and oh my god you know just just all kinds of cool stuff anyway yeah. he's like you know, I go to Nepal a lot. I love Nepal. It's really cheap. It's safe. And the people are really nice. Mm. You can go in the mountains. There's the jungle. Um, the food's good. You know, wow. it's just, he's like, I just really like it. I just always go back there. And so I ended up going there. Um, and I've never traveled anywhere before. Wow. My, um, uh, my mother's insistence, I used a travel agent. And that was a huge mistake. Because <laughs> she totally messed up my flight. She's like, okay, I got your reservations here. You're doing this, this, and this. And you're going here. I'm like, okay, now yeah, sounds good. And I go to the airport. And I'm going from, you know, Ohio to California to San Francisco. And then for some reason, I'm flying to New Zealand, right? Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to my friend Jeff about it. You know, he's like, are you nervous? I'm like, yeah, you know, a little bit. He's like, <laughs> you know yeah it's like it's kind of weird they're making you fly that way i'm like yeah i don't know maybe it was you know maybe it was because of the the way they get kickbacks i'm like i don't know i mean i've got a layover there so that should be nice so i get to new zealand right 13 hour flight 
and uh, oh. I go in, you know, KAT. You know, I'm supposed to fly to Kathmandu. I've got this flight to oh. KAT. I don't know what the hell it means. Um, and you know, I'm like, I'm I'm at the airport in New Zealand. I was like, I'm I'm going to uh, Kathmandu, and I'm you know, and I'm taught I'm t- I'm trying to explain to the guys like, how long are you staying in New Zealand for? It's like, oh, I'm not. I'm trying to go to you know Nepal, Kathmandu. I'm flying there. That's where I should be going. He's like. It doesn't, and I'm I'm pulling out my backpack like I'm like I got my Nepal guidebook, I got my uh, I got my warm clothes, you know. Yeah. It's like it's summer there, and he's like that doesn't sound right, mate. And he stamps my passport <laughs> and puts me into the country anyway. And I wow. call the um I call the and I'm, I'm talking to the the agent lady, and there's a couple, you know, workers there, and she's like, oh yeah, you know, I made a mistake. I put in the wrong flight code because the guys oh my like, God. is she put in KAT, which is Kataya, New Zealand. Oh. And it should be KTH, which is Kathmandu. Oh. And uh, I'm in the the baggage guys. They're having a laugh. They're like, mate, you don't want to go to Kataya. That place sucks. And, you know, you're, and they, they've got a big map on the wall. And they're like, you're all the way down here and you should be all the way up here. I'm oh my gosh. New Zealand. So, so I, um, yeah, so I go into town for the day, get a hostel, take a shower. I meet some people. They're pretty cool. We hang out and uh, play soccer. And you know, my travel agent, she got everything kind of settled. I had to fly to Hong Kong, nine-hour layover, and then 11-hour uh, flight layover. And, well, stop in Bangladesh, and then I arrive in Nepal. So I get, oh my I get, to, I get to Kathmandu. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I get a cab. I got ripped off um, <laughs> into the city. I probably like overpaid by like twice. And uh, like, I need to go to Hotel Sugat Basantapur Square. And the cab driver's like, all right, this is Basantapur Square. I don't know where your hotel is though. And I'm like, okay. So I get out of the cab. There's people like, this is just total culture shock. It's pitch black. Yeah. There's people having fires on the street. There's all these wild dogs running around. I don't know where I am. I find the hotel. It's locked. I'm (laughs) knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. And then the guy, you know, bar and the owner, he lets me in. And, you know, I I try to tell him like, oh yeah, you know, I know Jeff and he doesn't really remember him quite too much. Like, oh, that's awkward. So (laughs) then I I wake up, I wake up to um, motorbikes and horns in the morning. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm here. And that was 13 years ago. Um, I spent three months there. I did a lot of trekking, a lot of sightseeing. I went to this uh, festival called Pashupati, or no, the Shiva Ratri at Pashupati Nath, which is one of the oldest uh, Shiva temples in the world. It's like one of the big sites. And like a million people come from all over Asia to this place. Wow. And um, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it was just, just, a, just a good time. And uh, I used to ride on top of the buses, like when I go from towns to towns, because they always are falling off the cliffs. So I figured if I'm on top, I can jump off at least. Oh my of, god! Like, inside, and uh, yeah, I, I remember there was a goat. There was a bus passing us, and there was a goat on top. And I was just looking at him. And there was a, I, I rode actually on top, and there was some raw meat. It was like some buffalo ribs, and I remember being so grossed out about. It. it just seems so silly now it's like oh it's it's raw meat i'm gonna get sick but yep. the one time i was there i had sugarcane juice it was good but then i was uh walking through Kathmandu a couple of days before i was supposed to leave and i got some sugarcane juice 
And oh man, oh man, I, I don't know what was wrong with that juice. If it was old or if there was some bacteria in it, but I had the biggest detox of my life. I thought I was oh. going to die. Oh I was, God. you know, fluids out of both ends, hot mm. and cold, hot and cold, uh, just severe body pains and aches. And I, I remember now I remember the situation after hearing, uh, in the Q and a that the sugar cane juice will get rid of all the old uh, carbohydrates and sugars in your body. So I think that's mm. happening to me. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I stayed there for three months. It was, uh, it was a really good time. And then after I graduated college, I um, moved back to Nepal. I, I just basically bought a ticket there and was looking for uh, English jobs. Um, and then I I did trekking and stuff, um, but I was staying more in Kathmandu. So I would take day trips, a lot of day trips, mm-hmm. a lot of different places. Still getting like a lot of raw milk and curd. Um, I'd eat a little bit of chemo with barn. Um so I was staying at his hotel and I was uh, trying to do an interview one day and the cricket world cup was going on and they had a projector screen on the square right outside my room. And it was just too loud. I told the guys yeah. like, this is going to be going on for, I don't know how long I can't do the interview today, but oh. I ended up getting the job in Taiwan. And then wow. um, I stopped over in Thailand for some uh, civilization, I guess. And I went to like that mall. It's like, 21 something or seven something it's like it's like seven floors and every floor is a different part of the world oh and I, remember, I remember buying like a burrito in the american <laughs> floor and it was really good i was like wow this is this is cool and i bought some uh computer stuff i needed mm-hmm. um i had my hotel had ac um nice rooftop with a lot of sun i was just reading that was the nice thing about uh the paul was a lot of old bookshops and like a lot of old books and you can wow. find old books really cheap and you can trade in your books and get a decent. Now, I don't know how those businesses are doing because of all the technology. And even the first time I traveled, there was a huge difference in people and sociability. There weren't the smartphones. There were no smartphones in Nepal and mm-hmm. there were many travelers who did not have smartphones. Even mm-hmm. most places did not have internet. So you had to go to a cafe. Okay. And I remember that being a lot better of an experience um it was easier to connect with people people were a little more like present um but after like after what was it four three years yeah i went back after three years and it was like a lot of people nepalis even had smartphones um a lot of travelers had smartphones or ipads Mm -hmm. or kindles or something And, and it wasn't like you know, you go to a restaurant and like, you're the only couple people there and you'd kind of like, oh, we'll all sit together. Mm-hmm. But like, that wouldn't happen anymore. Like, cause mm-hmm. everybody was just on their phones and uh, it was really a lot of internet everywhere. It just was kind of, um, it was kind of shitty, but I guess it too is like going back somewhere and it's not the same. Like yeah. when I came back the first time, things were different. Like nothing was, nothing was the same. Like when you leave somewhere for a long time and you come back, it's not the same yeah. and you're not the same. And then yeah, anything happened true. when I went back to Nepal, it's like, I stayed in kind of the same places for a little bit. Um, but the one quiet hotel I stayed in, like the place developed so much in uh, Pokhara and like, there was this, uh, it was a bar or restaurant now and they, it was this, the same cover band played the same crappy songs until midnight, <laughs> really loud. And I felt bad for the locals because you know they live uh pretty hard lives they work really hard and they you know a lot of those kids are up at four or five in the morning to help 
do whatever and then go to school and do homework and you know there it's it's i just felt really bad about that and uh mm-hmm. that's just kind of development and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah. then i was in taiwan you know it was like it was pretty chill like the food was really good um didn't really eat any raw foods there they didn't have any raw milk obviously um wait why know, is was, that obvious well because it's like a warm country they don't have a lot of land as a small island so mm-hmm. they don't have um like pasture space for cows they oh have smaller ruminants a lot I of the see. beef they import from uh, the u.s um oh like you're I went kidding to, yeah and the corn yeah corn's really big in taiwan and hmm. they um they have like costco and stuff there my um huh. roommate he had a membership <laughs> through his parents and we would go to costco sometimes in uh <laughs> taipei yeah and uh yeah, you know, I mean, it's a pretty decent gig. You get paid twice what the locals are getting paid. So you're effectively getting paid like twice the salary of what someone wow. gets paid to live there. Your room is paid for. Internet was like 10 bucks a month and it was better than any internet here. Um, really easy to travel, really nice people. Not not a lot of pollution in Taiwan. Hmm. Um, I can see the ocean from my uh, apartment. Amazing. Which was really nice. And... Um, yeah, it was a small town, like a small rural farm town, which I kind of liked. Um, but uh, it kind of got it kind of got old living there after a year. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like the heat either. Now, I mean, with the diet I'm on, I mean, like I take these hot baths with no problem. I've always kind of liked the cold, but now I find myself tolerating the cold a lot more. Even the heat, like when I was working out in the garden over the summers, I didn't have a problem with the heat. Um, now I think I would kind of appreciate the heat more because it helps you heal and detox faster. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd go back to Taiwan just with everything going on, but they don't have any, they don't have any dairy there. So that right. kind of stinks. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good place to travel. Like it's cheap. It's easy to get around. The people are nice. So yeah, I, yeah, Asia is, Asia is pretty nice. It's, uh, really interesting. So. yeah super interesting and you're thinking about going back to you're thinking about going to thailand yeah um yeah i think i might like to travel there um next because i know i can get all the foods i need for the diet yeah Ajinus lived there cool. didn't he yes he had a um he tried to do it in the philippines he tried to create a health center in the philippines where he did it in taiwan and uh yeah that's where he died yeah. um they, I guess there were like five different autopsies and they all came back kind of inconclusive or conflicting. Yeah. So it's pretty likely he was, you know, murdered. Um, okay. I had somebody else on here. I don't know. You probably don't know Frank, not Frank Tufano, but um, Frank Bone. He, he's, I think he's just on Instagram, but he thinks that. He's still alive somewhere. somewhere yes. Yeah. I think that's a likely theory, but um like he faked his own death. It's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like it's this is such a crazy. It's. I mean, he he'd be smart enough to do it, and he had the relations with people in the Philippines to you know go back and live there. But it would be kind of hard because the government monitors that. Um, it was. He explains it was hard to get in there the first time, mm. and um, you know I don't know how he would hide himself or if he would even be allowed to stay if they caught him. And um, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. 
but uh you know some people you know it's it's kind of i don't want to say like fitting but you know for a guy who does so much for his health all these little things like throwing out the meat that touches your food processor it's like he's falls off a balcony or he's pushed off a balcony or something you know and that's know. how he he goes but that's how he would explain the diet to people he's like i don't care how long i live i just care that i live you know healthfully while i'm alive you know if i get hit by a bus tomorrow it's whatever um mm. so you know i can see i can see both ways but um you know there was a case well many cases in 2017 of like 90 something uh holistic natural health practitioners who were I know random shady, like a shady. And again, it's like these narratives. I want to be careful because I think that we can victimize ourselves, ourselves based on what we expect. I just think the mind is very, very powerful. So to Mm -hmm. me, I'm like, you, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, your uh, mindset's important. Um, I mean, you, it's a, it's an integration of everything. Right. But, um, yeah, your mind is really key. Like I know I've heard of a woman through my uh, vegan friend. She worked in a hospital, a 400 pound man fell on her, broke something in her back. She couldn't walk. The doctor said, you need surgery. You're going to be paralyzed. And she just took 10 months to heal herself. And she, I don't know if she ate anything in particular, she was on a particular diet. Uh, but she claims that her big thing was meditation with uh, micro di- microdosing of uh, mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is what kind of helped heal her. Wow. And she went back and got the x-rays done and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I don't know how you did this, but <laughs> yeah. You're, so, you know, I think, I think, well, to myself, I think, well, maybe if you did the primal diet, you would have healed in six months instead of 10. But, you know, <laughs> of I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I haven't met her yet, but um, uh... that's what I've heard. So. Wow. But yeah, the mind is definitely, yeah, Yeah, you can't discount, you can't rely on the diet a hundred percent. You know, you need to have some mental oh my stuff God. going on up there. And like, don't even get me started. I also believe that I'm not going to go down this, this um, tangent, but just to highlight it, like there are, it's diet culture, right? So there are a lot of people hating and talking shit online who are following this diet. And I always want to say like, (laughs) I'm not taking health advice from you because I know you're not healthy. If you're talking shit to people, (laughs) if you're spending time online saying shitty things to people, you're not mentally healthy. And if you're not mentally healthy, then you're not physically healthy. We know that with the diet, we know that like, we know that depression can be cured with physical health. We know that schizophrenia can be cured with physical health. So don't try to tell me that you're healthy, but you're on here talking shit to people. Like it's just, yeah, my, the, the mind is a, it's an important component. Um, but okay. How did we get on here? Because I wanted to, Oh, we were talking. Yeah. Yeah. The narrative of something bad is going to happen to you if you're successful and you're, you're like, uh, pursuing natural health, basically, like you're going to get shut down. You're going to get framed. You're going to get killed. When I got my health coaching certification, it was, it was in Ayurveda. So it was like ancient Indian herbs Mm -hmm. and it was very prevalent. Like the, the whole message was 
don't get too successful because you're going to get shut down. And this is kind of coming full circle with the social media thing too. To me, I'm just like, I don't want to assume that something bad is going to happen to me, but I also don't want to hold myself back from reaching people because I'm afraid about what could happen. And I think it's, in my mind, it's like a little of both, you know, like I think there are situations where people do get preyed upon because they have a powerful message. But also I think, like you said, there are people online that have a million followers that, that don't get shut down or they, they haven't yet. And isn't that worth it? And um, okay, but I'm curious why you think it would be uh, beneficial for Ajinus to fake his own death. Was Do you think it would be to protect himself from something like that happening? Well, uh, when I listen to him in the later Q&As, he sounds tired um, because he spent a lot of time lobbying for and doing activism for raw milk and um, right. you know, people's ability to get the foods they need that aren't you know, sprayed by the USDA or radiated or whatever. And he, in one particular Q&A, he was talking about how uh, frustrated he was that he would go to do these things and nobody would show up. And he mm. would put out notices and stuff. He's like, well, I'm doing this, um, you know, and people don't even seem to care. You know, it's like, if you show up, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be there. And I can use your time to speak and talk to the city or state officials right. or whatever but you're not even showing up and I'm doing all this work and dealing with all these lawsuits every day. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't have any time for myself. And, and to me, he sounds very um, tired and kind of pissed off. And uh, I think too, you know, he was talks about being followed by um, certain people, you know, like he was being tracked and uh, stuff like that. And oh. He even talks about how he was, you know, kidnapped in the Philippines uh, one time. And uh, they injected him with stuff when the swine flu thing was going on. He was speaking out against it. And he says that he was injected with swine flu or the um, the shots they were trying to roll out to kind of give him swine flu because he was saying, you can't get swine flu. Um, so anyway, how he oh. talked about it was very similar to what just happened with um, the schedule and the number of the what they rolled out, you know, and um, um. You know, apparently the stuff in the swine flu, they tried to do it in the 70s or the 80s, and that stuff was just sitting in a vault. But, you know, they stopped the swine flu program um, after, I think it was like 1,000 or 1,300 people died or they um, had injuries, and they stopped it, mm. you know. But he was all over the radio shows. There's a couple clips on him online talking about it. Um, but he was hitting the radio shows big time, and... I don't know if they were podcasts back then, but you know, just right. those kinds of outlets talking about why it isn't a, a concern and that's just, you're just being hoodwinked. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big topic for me lately. It's like, I never, I don't, I want people and I want me to mm-hmm. speak out really strongly about these things because if we have enough people speaking up strongly about these things then change will happen and people need to be notified about all this stuff and then at the same time you get nervous that well I can't have too many people listening because then this and this is going to happen and I, I just think on a philosophical level it's a really interesting conversation you know like the evidence we see of powerful people who had a different message what happens to them and 
yeah yeah it's interesting yeah like i heard um someone mentioned um Agenus to uh, Paul Saladino when they were when he was at one of his retreats and apparently he got like kind of nervous about it talking about really? it even. um yeah I don't know I don't really know what good kind of speaking out will do it's if you look at the um because I was involved with the group locally of uh, you know they call them uh freedom cells people like getting together to talk about what's going on and setting up um different resources people can use like um, food resources, um, different kinds of support and things like that and strategizing. And it seemed to me like people would talk about like, oh, you know, they're going to um, stuff that happened in the election, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to, the stuff's coming out and then, you know, they're going to turn it around or, um, you no. know, someone's going to, someone's going to do this and it's going <laughs> to, people are going to see it. And I'm like, no. And I just kind of realized that, you know, some people, they want to kind of be controlled. They want to kind of live in, you know, that bubble that's manufactured yeah. for them. It doesn't yeah. really matter how many people speak out um, because there's always going to be that component that's basically just been manufactured and bred through, you know, generations of um, the the infrastructure, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, of the system. And yeah. people are nothing is going to change those people uh, minds because it in order to do that it would have it would like they're like brains blow up essentially because like they've staked everything in their life on this these this belief yeah. system and these values and kind of the way they operate and if that goes away you know so does all this other stuff and you also have to look at the conveniences of modern life and how attractive they are and appealing it uh, kind of makes it hard to, you know, kind of, you know, everybody talks about going off grid or everybody talks about doing I know. this and that. But <laughs> I'm one of those so, people. So people <laughs> I live I in mean, the suburbs and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to live off grid. I haven't done it yet. Hopefully I will. A, but I mean, yeah, it's a, don't get me wrong. It's a process. And some of those people are really genuine, but I'm, so I'm talking more about just like the general population, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah. It's just a lot of people aren't cut out for it. And I don't even think a lot of people want to acknowledge um, just like the corruption and, yeah. you know, what, 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 what calls for making a change is going to require from them on their, in their life, you know, how much it's going to inconvenience them. I don't think yeah. people are really ready to do that yet. Um, you look at like things like the French revolution and other you know, big changes, big like sea changes mm -hmm. uh, throughout human history. And a lot of that comes from being like hungry and destitute. And we're not, we're not there yet. And by that mm -hmm. time, it may be too late. I mean, I don't know. It's, you know, I don't want to be too negative or pessimistic, but it's not like, and then there's the whole, you know, you look at the, the natural cataclysm cycles, you know, you look at all this like lost history and like what do we really know and like why is things we can't explain how do they get there why do they happen why are they gone mm -hmm. we can't explain so something's been happening cyclically that you know we're not going to be prepared for someday maybe and maybe not in our lifetimes but who knows i mean have you looked into graham hancock's work uh i don't i'm not that kind of sounds familiar and i may 
I may listen to some people who have uh, mentioned him. I listened to um, the Oppenheimer Ranch Project or uh, Magnetic Reversal News. Um, he's a geologist who talks about the um, the uh, magnetic excursion events, mm -hmm. which he thinks might cause uh, some of this. Um, Suspicious Observers is another channel, but I kind of eh, I'm kind of iffy on him. He has some okay information, but magnetic reversal uh news is what i would uh listen to because he's a geologist and he could really break down some things like when you see those cave paintings mm -hmm. or those um petroglyphs you know on the walls mm -hmm. of the caves he compares them to like um cosmic events you can see in our atmosphere because of the attenuation the changes in the the air for lack of a better word because of the magnetic changes so like the sprites and all these weird heavenly bodies that kind of show up you know they happen cyclically they happened last time you know maybe people were trying to warn us you know if you see these things um and then just kind of where humans uh kind of come from you know why were we living in caves why are there so many underground structures like was it not safe to be on top of earth yeah um, a lot of um yeah, a lot of interesting ideas and points. So. so true. Oh, I love that stuff. I don't really read at this point in my life, but like after I get to the place where I built my business, I really want to look into history on this level. And uh, yeah, we could go into that. It would be, I think, a whole nother podcast episode. And I can't believe we've been talking for two and a half hours already. Um, but yes, to kind of close down the topic of speaking out, like, I think that I don't think politics are helping us. I'm pretty open about that. It seems very clear to me, like, how much more evidence do we need that politics aren't changing, like making great changes? The people, I think people can make great changes. And when, like you say, with revolution and all that, there's been some mini revolutions and people can make good changes. And maybe we don't need politicians to. We we vote with our dollars, really. Yeah, um, I I know. And not that I'm that. not that I'm against the precept of Citizens United or something, but a lot of people knock that. But it just goes back to like, well, if you're voting at the ballot box and everyone on the ballot box is funded by, you know, these big corporate donations, <laughs> where the where are the corporations getting their money? Uh, they're getting their money from you. So, mm -hmm. like I said, it requires people to make a yeah. sea change in their lives to um, divert or change how they spend their money because essentially they're voting with their dollars. Yeah. And I don't know. I think there's, um, you know, changing the system. It's not really, you know, violence really isn't going to do anything. There's really no reason to be violent. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a, um, it's kind of a losing battle. And I think the best way is to get involved at your local level, because the local levels are really overlooked. And I think that's probably mm -hmm. part of design because everything on TV is all about the national stuff where everything goes on at the federal level. Mm -hmm. But if you get involved at your county level or your state level, you can really impact a lot of things that way. Um, for instance, like just how farmers are treated, especially at the state level. Like if you could, if you could get in and create it so that, you know, cause there's state in Ohio, there's a state processing facility and then there's USDA processing facilities for meat where I get my meat. They spray their meat with vinegar and water. That's it. They don't use any chemicals. So I don't run into that problem. Some people do where they can only get UST and meat. But I think that's probably the best bet is if you get enough people 
to get on the ballot who are going to say, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to make these changes. Fighting against the massive bureaucracy that's set up even at the state level is another conversation. But, you know, you can do a lot by um, basically just strong arming things if you get, you know, into power or like at the county level, if you have a morality of, you know, seats on the board or whatever, or if you're in those positions, you make the decisions, then you can really impact people at a local level. Because the federal government is really just made up of all the states, right? And all the funding from the states. And if you can, you know, there's a lot of controls locally that you can uh, circumvent, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. I think I think that's an area that people should focus more on. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something I'll do in the future. I don't really know if I, um, who knows if we'll even get that far, you know, but um you know, it's it's something I I think about sometimes because you know, you think about what's the what's holding up people from being self sufficient or having access to people who are self sufficient who produce good food, and that's basically what it all comes down to, is uh, the food, right? I mean, if you can access the food, then you don't really have to worry about so many other things. So I think if you can change that, like make it easier for people to produce food, like even growing stuff in their yards um you know and protecting their right to do that or having so many small animals on the property you know you could really empower people to be more uh, self-sufficient and less reliant on not just the government but corporations who are effectively you know controlling the government in a way so yep i i completely agree with all of that and i also um scott Scott Hall said the same thing, actually, because or similar, because he's trying to like start a commune in Pennsylvania. I don't know if he calls it a commune or a community, but it's like a Rami community. And uh, he was saying, I think it's better to like start your own little thing and not fight against like not try to change government or change society just start your own thing and that sounded like a new concept to me when he said that but then I realized oh I feel like I'm kind of doing the same thing in my community because I was good like when you were saying um just uh agorism agorist you know if you're an agorist you basically want to set up um something outside a system outside of the system and um essentially I mean that's what I'm talking about in a way um, but it just depends on how you look at the system. I mean, you know, commerce and things like that. I don't think, I don't think a commune is um, a, a practical means, um, especially if it's very like, you know, regimented. Like if you were trying to start something like the Amish, but not the Amish, you know, but like something exactly. like the Amish. Exactly. Nowadays, it's not going to work because a lot of people like like how self-sufficient are you like how many of the people you talk about starting a commune with how many of you actually have skills how many of you actually have the wherewithal to do this like i i, I guess don't know. Like maybe maybe like one percent like do you know do you know people who can do carpentry do you know people who can do plumbing do you know people who have knock on hungry by f- growing food or helping tend animals uh do you know people who know how to you know do, do other things like it's it's a very big and then trying to get all those people to agree on the same things, especially if you're trying to establish something new, like, Oh yeah. It's not you just look easy. at the book, like animal, animal farm, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, really just kind of empowering people where they are now 
yes. is probably more realistic. Because, I mean, especially for the younger generation, I mean, if you were trying to do that 100 years ago, you could probably do it because people would have the skills. But like a lot of people who are into the primal diet, most of them are people who are, are, are cosmopolitans. Which is hilarious. Which is people, <laughs> which is pe people who, um, they're not, and you look at the farmers and, you know, they're eating fried foods and they're eating chips and they're, you know, they are, they, they some. don't, they don't, um, so yeah, some of them, but I mean, like, you know, a lot of the good old boys, yeah, they, they like to eat and, you know, have a good time. They smoke, they drink. Um, yeah, they don't they want to, like they're like, they're going to say, you want me to do what boy? I ain't doing that. You know, yeah. screw, you, screw you. So, you know, I just think it's, um, if you are going to try to start a commune, you have to be, have a little more leeway in like how you're going to run it. It's, I don't think it's like a strict commune, like you're going to start some new Amish order nowadays, unless, unless there's a sea change and things break down and new systems and new things have to propagate. Right. But like I said, how many people do you know who could do that? Like, like off the top of your head, how many people could you call right now and say, hey, you know, I need your help. We need to do this. And then can you have all the people who have all the skills to do what you need to do to to, to survive and thrive? I, I would say, to be honest, that you can find these people, especially places where we're at in Ohio and Michigan. Yeah, there's plumbers and people that are like handy. It's, it's true. I'm saying you can find them, but it's just a matter of convincing them, you know, why would they choose your group over their group or, you know, like, like if you have those yeah. kinds of skills, you have way more leverage and way more selectability. Like just cause you're trying yeah. to do something different. I mean, yeah. I just, I just play devil's advocate here, but it's yeah, just, just have to be realistic. Well, know? but I which is why it's say... important to build skills and right. have knowledge that's practical. Right. Um, right. 100%. Um, but just the way that you found those turkeys and that meat for like, what? I've never heard of well-raised meat to be that cheap ever in my life. I think that's how people can, you can kind of manifest the people that you need. Sometimes God clicks things into place for you, you know? So I, sure. I definitely think it's possible, but certainly not easy. But also like, that's why cults work because when you brainwash everybody <laughs> and our society, right? When you brainwash everyone yeah. and when you make them afraid to leave, then that's how it works. <laughs> so that's why cults are, you know, that's, they're they're impactful whether it be for better or for worse um but i would agree with you empowering people with where they're at i do the the same thing in my community so that's why i think it's important to speak out about what i believe in like i talk about i say all the words that typically gets people shut down because i mean i don't know if that'll become a problem for me when i have more people in my audience but i just think it's important to I just like transparency a lot. Um, and I have most of my audience, they're not raw meat eaters. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're people interested in self-development. They're people interested in like, like being empowered in their lives. But most of them have, they're actually, a lot of them are self-employed and some of them have nine to five jobs, but they're, they're not, the majority of my audience is not in like really fringe groups. So, right. 
So, but they're starting to become interested in these things. And I don't have an agenda to change anybody's mind, but mm -hmm. they just start seeing it and you get educated. Like if Wes Rowe from the Real Natural Human Diet didn't come on my podcast, I and I didn't get introduced to him, I would have never started to eat raw meat because I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't even know like, why would you eat raw meat? <laughs> like just, I didn't even have any strong opinions. I was just like, why, you know? And I didn't know until he said something and, you know, people starting their channels, obviously that's how the ripple effect happens. Some people just don't even know that all of these topics are a thing. Um, okay. And then I wanted to say one more thing too about, <sighs> oh, I forgot. Like yeah, changing society. Well, it's also how those things are connected. You know, it's it's natural for humans to have, you know, raw meat in their diet. And like a lot of that has been lost, but now mm -hmm. it's kind of coming back through yeah. whatever reason. And, um, you know, that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think as people start more to start to understand the concept and look at other cultures and, and places that still eat raw meat, you know, it's different in America because we're, it's, it's kind of isolated. You know, America has had a notoriously bad food history. Yeah. Um, especially, we be, yeah. We don't so, have a cultural history. Right, yeah. like that got especially fragmented. because a lot of uh, stuff, you know, they used to put formaldehyde in milk um, back in the 18th century. Like Ben Franklin, he talked people out of that. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. Um, right. And, uh, you know, just reading about how, stuff was brought in from the country to the city and then how that stuff was like watered down or screwed with to um mm -hmm. you know basically everything has been like uh manufactured to service people a lot of people in small areas and over time the rural um populace has been depleted and moved to the cities so you've lost a lot of that too so. mm -hmm. but now it's kind of changing yeah i mean it's you know it's the, the pendulum swings so mm -hmm. yeah for sure oh okay so do you have time for one more question sure yeah okay um literally last night there are some people i believe they're in the raw meat community but they're definitely in some sort of farming community they were telling me that stds are a hoax <laughs> like they're not real like they're just like any other viral well, like, yeah. Um, what are, yeah. What are your thoughts on this? It's, uh, yeah. Have you read the book We Want to Live yet? No. Okay. So that should be the next book you read. I know. I don't um, read though, but when I pick it back up, I will. It's, it's just, it reads pretty quick. Um, okay. But it basically just explains, like I said, like you have bacterial, fungal, or viral detoxifications. And, um, you know, probably a good idea to look into terrain theory um okay like where where a bacteria or something is depends on like you're eating raw meat filled with bacteria but why isn't it giving you adverse symptoms okay? right so you know i'm just trying to choose my words very carefully here um <laughs> but basically yeah terrain theory is a thing you should look up it okay. competes with germ theory. They were both spawned hmm. at the same time. Hmm. However, uh, one of the um, the R families, they got behind uh, Pasteur and his theories and his uh, his uh, methodologies 
Uh, also, industry, it's it's also good for industry because it's quality control, right? Like, you know, if you're just making raw juices or raw whatever, and you're trying to keep a consistent product, it's always going to be different. If you pasteurize it and you sterilize it, it's you can keep it the same. You can have that quality control. Um, so industry is a big part of why that kind of took off. Medical industry, but also the food industry. Um, preservation, because some people like, you know, some people don't like fermented foods. Odwalla, um, uh, you may know, it was a juice brand. They used to make raw juice. And uh, 17 people or so, they had some sort of uh, reaction. Um, I don't know if it was E. coli or something in their juice. And they got um, bought up for pennies on the dollar by Coca-Cola. Um, big surprise. Mm -hmm. And uh, now they pasteurize all their juice. So, mm. you know, um, looking at terrain theory, kind of understanding what the, the basis is behind that, you can kind of interpret about like STDs. So, like why would someone have an STD? Like, like people can get UTIs, right? Even though they're not mm -hmm. sexually active. Well, mm -hmm. why is that? I mean, those, your body is a whole detox pathway. Like you're a big asshole, basically. So, you know, like, <laughs> like your skin, your salivary glands, you know, um, your tonsils, tonsil stones, um, your teeth, the roots in your teeth are connected to your brain. So that's why there's a lot of tooth decay from the metals coming out of your brain. Um, trying to think what else, your, um, your bowel movements, you know, you have some diarrhea, that's stuff your body's dumping and evacuating things mm -hmm. you're vomiting body's evacuating things like i said if you have a uti you, you have those white blood cells coming out it's evacuating things it's breaking mm -hmm. something down ajana says that he thinks women live longer because they have a vagina right and they're they're able to uh expectorate more well not just periods but you know just the whole the whole tissue um mm. it's it's doing more work than like a penis and if you mm. look at all the people who live the longest on record they're all women oh yeah cool. i just read a list yesterday i think the oldest man to ever live was a guy in japan he's 116 but oh everyone else who's lived long like 122 under 19 120 you know all women wow so but that's because they detox more efficiently than a man because they have that body part we don't so yeah fascinating so you you in your obviously you're not recommending anything to anyone but in your outlook you would agree that stds aren't trans you don't think that stds are transmittable well you just think it's like a detox i would say that um you know again look at terrain theory and kind of form your own understanding i'm not going to um, make a certain claim about transmissibility of anything. Yeah, um, they were saying that there's an exception I, uh, for AIDS too because they they were believing that AIDS was manufactured. Well, yeah, Ogenus has some uh, information on that. Um, if you have, it's a complicated topic because if you like, I said it depends on the terrain. So if you're in a terrain that isn't healthy. And that's going to contaminate you. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't really want to uh, 
get too into the weeds there and okay. you know let the algorithm know too many buzzwords but like i said okay just read it if you have an interest in this read about <laughs> terrain theory and then you know read the book we want to live um that's a, that's a really good book to read um study those two topics and then read about germ theory read about what germ theory says and uh you know if you're if you're eating raw foods um that maybe that will inform you a little bit better because you know you're eating a lot of bacteria and things and maybe those make you feel good maybe those make you feel not so good i don't you yeah. know just it's just all about educating yourself um you know i don't want to uh the algorithms are always listening so i just want to <laughs> yeah. be careful for your sake yeah i appreciate that and i also don't i mean i know you've had situations where you you things were made harder for you by the algorithm and whoever's out there deciding censoring stuff so i want to be respectful of that too on here yeah um, I, i've made some you know yeah I've, I've been a bad boy i've made the mistakes i know kind of what not to say and, and how to say things um but i'm not trying to go viral right now you know i i've got new accounts um ready and waiting in the wings and uh when i decide to do another blitz i'll probably i might even pay tiktok this time so they won't uh remove anything <laughs> right but, uh, yeah so it's it's not on my it's not a prerogative right now but yeah in the future i have a, a little better idea to go about it now and i think it's becoming more mainstream you know especially with like liver king and stuff so it is and that's why i'm grateful for liver king people talk a lot of shit about him but the the big folks who who have a big following who are I mean, overall, it's a similar value, right? He just wants, like, I don't know if he just wants people to eat raw liver, but he's showing people that you can eat raw liver and maybe right, that's really yeah. good for you. I mean, so. and you have to be a little silly to think that guy's not on gear in the first place. Um, what but do you, it's what not do like you mean, he's on gear? Well, he's on, you know, performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's not promoting them, essentially, you know, explicitly. Right. But, you know, it's like, yeah, so... Yeah, it's complicated, but yeah. overall, it's like good. I mean, people, whatever. I don't care. He's like the me the overall His message, message is positive. Yeah, yeah. the overall message, yeah. totally. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we're coming to a close, and we went, we did go three hours. So this was so awesome, and um, I love your outlook. You have a very neutral perspective, which is I will I say this on every episode that I have someone from the raw meat world come on here. You guys are so spiritual, <laughs> like you're so spiritual. And I, I think almost everyone, I think it's been all guys, actually. I really need, I'm trying to get a girl on. So if you know any girls that eat raw meat, I'm trying to get the women on too. But um, you guys all say, yeah, I'm not really that spiritual. But then I talk to you and I'm like, you, you're super spiritual. <laughs> and it kind of brings me back to the whole thing. Like to me, eating raw meat was so spiritual. But I guess before we close, I'm curious, do you see yourself as spiritual? Um, I don't see myself as spiritual. I see myself mm -hmm. as, um, you know, religious, um, mm. you know, uh, Christ is King and, ah. uh, you know, God is, uh, it's very real. And, um, I think people maybe who get a little bit too involved in the diet, it's because they lack, you know, God ah. and, uh, Jesus in their lives. If you, there's a lot of interesting parallels to raw meat and, um, you know, in the new Testament, such as the last supper where um you know christ he gives us he said this is my body taken eating you know this is my blood it's you know yeah. doing this for you and it's um about a sacrifice and you know in the catholic mass in the eucharist there's something called uh transubstantiation 
and this is where the priest will bless the Eucharist and the uh, the wine. And at that moment, it becomes the uh, the blood and body of Christ. It's no longer you know some bread and some wine. And that's why they put it in a tabernacle, and you would genuflect to the tabernacle. That's you know ritualistically the sort of. So I kind of joke to people and say, "Oh, I've been eating raw meat since uh, you know I was eight." Sometimes you know because yeah. you know if, if and you know you, you ask a Catholic that if they're not they don't really believe that then you know it's like well you're not really a catholic because that's like a core tenet of catholicism and why it, it is important to go to mass and receive the eucharist now i haven't been to mass in many years mm -hmm. um i technically it's against the rules to take sacrament the eucharist if you haven't had a confession in a year oh. so if i was to like really go back to the church i would uh, have to do a confession before i would take uh, the Eucharist, but uh, there's a lot of, you know, cafeteria Catholics, people who just show up once a year for mm -hmm. that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good things about religion and there's, you know, some not good things about religion. Um, but I think that, you know, you can have a relationship with God and Jesus. You don't have to be, you know, um, Catholic. Uh, some other sects kind of disagree. The Orthodox, they kind of say, well, if you're not Orthodox, and there's a lot of essays and words on this. I haven't really delved into it yet, but mm -hmm. really the only path to salvation is through the Orthodox Church. Because uh, there's a big schism in 1054 between the East and the West. Anyway, uh -huh. um, I just think that, uh, you know, if people, people try to embody that and accept that more into their lives, they would be a little bit more at peace with themselves. And I think that's why a lot of people are attracted to certain fringe groups is because they're searching and they don't really have anything. They don't really have a foundation. They don't really have any strong beliefs. So it's like they're swimming and they're swimming and they're swimming and they're just trying to catch anything that comes along. Yeah. But if you have something in your life that you know is true, uh, a foundation, a rock, then you can kind of, you know, kind of weather any storm and not, you know, take something so seriously and make them your identity. Like your identity is more than just a diet. It's more than just, you know, mm -hmm. um, a sports team it's more than just uh, a profession you know something like that so yeah okay so you say you're religious what are you in the christian faith yeah i would identify as a christian yeah so okay. i i'm a catholic technically i'm a catholic but i haven't you know participated in any you know catholic rituals recently um due to some of my own disagreements with the church okay um you know personally um theologically i think that um you know uh, i would pr probably try to seek out a set of vaticanist church which is a church that observes latin high mass and catholic ideals and traditions pre-vatican ii mm -hmm. because there were a lot of changes made in vatican ii to modernize the church to mm -hmm. try to make it more um you know popular or applicable hasn't really worked for them um mm -hmm. at least in uh, Western societies. Um, I kind of believe that, um, you know, like God is eternal and he's not changing. So why should the church, mm. if the church was doing something that was right then, you know, how is it wrong now? Like, why would you change that? Mm. Um, Cause then there's a big significance for like the Latin mass and, and doing things in Latin. Um, and also some of the kind of more traditionalist aspects of uh, the church that I would be, that would probably fit my, beliefs and uh life more than and and like-mindedness too i have a friend who goes there i actually gave this friend i got him into eating raw meat and raw milk 
I don't really talk to him too much anymore because we're just kind of bit, you know, you're 30, you know, everybody uh, kind of goes their separate ways. Everybody gets busy with work. People are getting married. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a single guy. A lot of my friends got married or they have partners. So, you know, I'm kind of, mm -hmm. you know, the, and, and I don't really eat the raw meat. They kind of think I'm kind of weird. You know, so okay. But, I mean, oh my gosh, we could take this podcast for two hours longer because oh, I'm sorry. We, no, 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 it's no, it's not you. I'm saying I could keep going on this topic because it's a thing in the raw meat world. Like everyone's like, Well, I'm single. I'm also single right now. Everyone's like, I'm single, but no one else is gonna be into my diet. And I'm like, but we have a whole group of people on here that are single mm -hmm. that are eating the same stuff. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's true. I'm not really preoccupied with, um, you know, finding somebody to add to my life. Um, it's a very, you know, I'm, I have some self-awareness. I know that I'm not oftentimes the easiest person to be around. I don't really like to huh. compromise. Um, huh. And I think it would take quite a bit for me to find someone who could add something to my life where I'm not taking away from their life or adding stress onto their life. So I don't really want to be that guy. Um, okay. And I think there's more important things than maybe you know, if you look at the pre-industrial revolution, you know, many men did not partner with a woman or have children, you know, oh. um, men in society are very like disposable beings. Um, you know, I guess I'm not, huh. I don't see myself as a disposable right. person, you know, but I mean, right. I think that's just kind of the reality, you know, men, they fight the wars, they do the dangerous stuff, they don't all come back. Um, but anyway, I was just saying my friend, I got into eating, you know, the first time I gave him a steak, there's kind of a gift. He wasn't going to eat. He's like, oh, I'm going to eat some more. Like, oh, I'm just going to eat it right now. And then he, he texted me 15 minutes later. He's like, I feel like, I feel like high from this. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's the whole point. And he's like, yeah. no, I think it's a placebo, but he's, <laughs> he's still eating raw meat and drinking raw milk. So you know, obviously, yeah. So, but it's just like you say, yeah, it's a very, can be very empowering to, to give to people. So. Right. Right. For sure. Oh man, this is interesting. Okay. So you're not even interested you're are you not interested in having a partner that's just not what you're i mean i'm I'm is. open to it but mm -hmm. it's not like i'm seeking like i used to date and stuff um mm -hmm. just you know just it's just kind of a waste of time you know i mean yeah i've met some nice girls and i met some people who were just like you know one time me and a date we were playing billiards and we just ended up just walking out of the date like just we just left we didn't even say goodbye like we're just like what? So, we, we just left we just left. it was just it was just so bad but um Aww. yeah like I uh I used to do okay online like the online dating but mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's I, I'm just not very you know you get matches you get dates for it but I'm not really like I just don't feel like it was I don't know people are more than just a profile you know you gotta meet it's you yeah. gotta like wade through a lot of stuff it's kind of a numbers mm -hmm. game Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I was, I, my Tinder got banned because I made a joke, you know, you should see my OnlyFans and the AI spread OnlyFans and I was banned. I was like, oh, okay. So oh that's my God. That. And wow. then, co and then COVID happened, the pandemic. Yeah. And that kind of shut everything down. Also things from that reducing the, um, the people I would be interested in, you know, having a serious partnership with. I know. So, uh, which is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. It narrows yeah. it down. It does. Um, you know, you got to look at both sides, but I'm not, you know, I'm not in a rush. I'm 32, but, um, you know, sometimes I just feel like I'm 62. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a old soul, I guess, mm -hmm. if you wanted to say, but, you know, I'm, 
I'm, I'm definitely content with my life and uh, making it better. And, you know, maybe it would be appealing for someone to say, oh, hey, this is someone I'd like to start a life with, you know, but it's kind of, you'd have to, I don't know. You just kind of have to look for that. If, if it's right, it's right, you know, and there's a lot of good people out there. It's just kind of hard to find sometimes. So it is what it is. It's, it's, it doesn't help to get depressed about it or stressed about it. You just kind of have to, let things uh you know work themselves out at the same time you can't uh you can't catch any fish if you don't put your rod on the water so you know you do have to make an effort you can't just expect someone to come along so i know uh i agree with everything that you said and i think especially because you're you you believe in god and you know force is greater than you sometimes when you're just on your path doing your thing, someone does just come along. God kind of is like, matches things up like the turkeys, you know, <laughs> like sometimes it, it, just, it just can happen. But yeah, I, I love this topic. And again, you know, I'm, I'm always having these raw meat guys on here, but I like talking about, I'm very stereotypically feminine. I like to talk about love and dating and, and I'm, I, I, I like to, I guess gather information about what other people's experiences are in the in the dating world as like a raw meat person because it's just so it's so different it's it's just um it's it can be hard to relate to people but I think that if like we uh we have our group right so like I know people like uh, I'm gonna have a couple on this podcast Wes Rowe and his fiance they met they were on different parts of the country and they just like came together I don't really know the story but um that's sure all that exactly we're gonna find out that's for sure and um yeah so it's just possible but I agree like for me it's it's been difficult and I've been in and out of um I mean I don't want to say difficult it's also like I'm starting a business like so I I don't like to get distracted from this so I'm in kind of my own little place here where I'm also like yeah I don't know if I want to like add it someone into the mix right now but I will say I went like in and out of phases of maybe it doesn't matter maybe I can just date someone who eats just regular food that everyone else eats and it's it is a lifetime it's a whole lifestyle change to to go with the values of this raw primal diet and it just it I could see it maybe working for some people I actually know some people who are they've got into the raw meat thing but they still have a husband or a wife and they just kind of make it work mm -hmm. but it is uh, being single having this diet it's it's interesting to navigate the lands of dating for sure because yeah, you're, you're, we're different than other people. We have different values than other people. When you really boil it down, every human probably has very similar survival values, but like mm. we have the stuff that we're interested in. A lot of people do not, that is not at the top of their priority list, you know, but, but I think it's getting bigger and bigger. Right. So I just, I think there's going to be more and more scenarios where you 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 use social media as like a dating app you know to find people who are interested mm -hmm. in what you're exactly. doing you know um okay okay well I lied one 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 more question uh if I ask all of our guests this if you could pick one thing that would be the root of health like the common denominator of health what would it be probably staying away from 
pollution and uh, not just like pollution from cars or industry, but, you know, the medical industry um, really like a lot of what, you know, it comes back to what you were saying about, you know, people have different values. It's like, I, um, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't need to eat this much if I, my body wasn't, um, not that I had a lot of serious problems, but I think that the more I've done this, I've kind of realized that I did have those problems and it's clear to me now that if I keep doing this, I'm just going to get better. And mm -hmm. how, how much better off would I be if I didn't have the root of those problems, essentially, you know, um, like a, a primal diet, you know, is, can be essential for some people if they really want to turn their health around if it's life or death for them. Yeah. It wasn't life or death for me for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, and, you know, I'm not opposed, like if someone wasn't even eating like a woman and I wasn't even, she wasn't even on the diet a hundred percent, but like mm -hmm. her health wasn't bad. Like she didn't have a lot yeah. of exposure to the medical industry or pollution. Like she's a lot better off than most people, right? right. Even if she doesn't want to eat, you know, strict primal every day, it's like, that's not a deal breaker for me. Like I, I think that's kind of unreasonable. I mean, if you find someone like that, that's great, but like, I, that's why I say the, the 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 thing for health is really just stay away from the bad things. Yeah, you, you're already you're kind of have to deal with the cards you're dealt, right? Like you don't have really choice of how your mother lived with you. Yeah. Um, so there's that aspect. But if you were lucky enough that your mother did a good job, and you have been you have the the, the good health, um then it's really just kind of staying away from the pollution because mm. that's what's going to add to your problems. That's what's going to deteriorate your health. Um, you know, you could argue, yeah, cooked food and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not the best, um, especially the more processed it is, um, the more and longer it's cooked. Yeah. But it's like, you know, people have been eating cooked food for a long time. Like, and in some places where people don't have the exposure to pollution and they're eating cooked foods, their health is not as bad. They're not living to 100 and, you know, 20, 130, 140, but, you know, so what? You know, they might get a little, they might get frail in their old age, but, you know, so what? Yeah, if they eat a primal diet, they wouldn't be as frail, but I mean, maybe they don't mm -hmm. want to do that, you know, so. Yeah. It, I think it really just comes down to staying away from those bad things. Mm -hmm. Um and having the knowledge about it too, like I, um, you know, I went out and I bought a respirator uh, for work when I was doing painting and uh, cleaning and moving and all this, all this stuff, all the, the dust and the particles and it's um, it filters, acid, gases, organic vapors and particles. And uh, so, you know, when I'm painting, I don't breathe any of that stuff. When there's cleaning solutions around, I'm not breathing any of that stuff. You're just making simple choices like that. Mm -hmm. to protect your health you know protecting your health and staying away from those bad things so yeah yeah basically I kind of hear that as like you're protecting yourself you know just protect yourself from the stuff that is undesirable and yeah. then you won't have to do a strict mm -hmm. primal diet you know I mm -hmm. yeah and, and wear ear protection you know make sure you have right. the best ear protection you know yeah. I mean I used to go to concerts and did music and stuff but I never really had you know long-term tinnitus from that but uh 
just you know two afternoons that did for me so wow yeah Yeah. crazy it's such a good reminder such a good reminder okay eat raw meat thank you so much for joining me on this episode this was so much fun you guys follow eat raw meat on youtube at eat raw meat primal diet advice one word uh, look up terrain theory, <laughs> look up germ theory. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay, you guys, I need your help here. I want to get word spread about the info that we share in this show as much as possible. I want it to reach around the world. It already has. I want it to continue to reach around the world. And I want us to be able to share this information because this is empowering shit. You guys know that I only share empowering shit on here. I only share stuff that is going to make you feel like your dreams can become a reality and you can create what you want in your life and you can achieve what you want in your life and big changes can happen. Big evolution can happen in a positive direction in your life. I've done that in my life. It is my goal. It is my life purpose to help as many other people achieve that as well. So if you can help me do this, I would be so grateful. Please share this episode, share my podcast, other people about my podcast, share it on Instagram. I would just so appreciate that. Subscribe, uh, whatever we can do to get the word out more about this information. I love providing it for you guys. It makes me so happy and it would just mean the world to me if you continue to share it. I love you guys so much. Info on how to work with me is in the show notes. I have a group coaching course. I have one-to-one private coaching. I have a workshop. There will be more offerings in the future. I'm There's a lot going on. So all of this info is in the show notes and enjoy. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Talk to you soon. I love you.